This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you here tonight, it's Ian and Bradley and Mark. All right, so 1-855-450-FREE is the toll-free number, 855-450-3733. You can, of course, join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, where all the features are free. Like Unlike those other talk shows, they want to charge you 7 8 bucks a month for their sites. We give you all the stuff that you'll find on our site for free. There's no paywall uh, that you have to get behind in order to get uh, stuff like archives or the webcam. It's all there for you free at freetalklive.com. So go ahead, get interactive at your leisure. Now, there's some news here that I found pretty shocking. And it came into my email box straight from the source, Julian Heiklin. Have you all heard what happened? He went to Israel, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, I heard he fled the country. He has fled the United States. Now, for those of you who are unaware of who Julian Heiklin is, uh, Brad, how would you describe this man? Uh, I would probably describe him the same way you describe him, as a FIJA, the Fully Informed Jury Association activist. Um, He's a very brave uh, soul. Uh, I've spoken to him quite a few times. Um, I think the the thing he's most notable for is uh, standing out in front of courthouses, be it federal or state, with a sign that says jury info, and he educates people on their inherent right to nullify bad laws. He does, and he's been doing it for quite a while. He's been arrested a number of times uh, in the process of, of doing this outreach. So just for handing out information out in front of a courthouse, this man has been dragged away by uh, various different police departments, especially the federal government. And, I mean, the guy's a hero of mine. He's, he's so brave because he'll go out and he'll do this stuff even if he's all alone, he doesn't uh, doesn't care if there are other people there to back him up or not. And of course, in most places, uh, the activist scene is an absolute joke, and so nobody comes out to support uh, Julian Heiklin because they're just too busy with their own lives or whatever it is they're doing. And so this eighty, nearly eighty year old man, last I heard he was seventy nine, so he may be eighty now at this point. But uh, this eighty, close to eighty year old man, has uh, the courage to go out and face down the evil state all on his own, be arrested, be dragged away, be carried off, be put into prison cells. He is incredibly uh, heroic and brave, and I, I wish there were 20 more people like him. Can you imagine that the the power that that would have, uh, the, the influence that uh, a bunch of octogenarians could have going around doing civil disobedience? A great deal. I mean, it doesn't look quite as uh, quite as justifiable when the police uh, hits you know hit an octogenarian with a baton. Absolutely, it seems less likely that it would occur too. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, certainly uh, young females get kind of a, some leeway with the police, and I think elderly people also get some leeway with the police. Uh, but people in our age range, you know, twenty to forty some year, years old males, we're we're just going to get game. the brunt of it. Uh, so Julian Heichlin, really brave guy, and he's been standing up for jury nullification for a long time. You mentioned FIJA, the Fully Informed Jury Association, and, and while I think FIJA is a good group, I was disappointed to see them uh, back away from Julian Heichlin uh, during the Orlando debacle, where Orlando police uh, or sheriffs arrested Julian for handing out information outside the courthouse. He ended up going to jail for that one, is out on appeal currently in Orlando, but he spent something like two or three weeks in a really crappy Orlando, uh, Florida jail because he was found guilty uh, by by the, a judge, basically, so it was a bench trial, 
and uh, he, he was found guilty of handing out uh, information, you know, in a restricted area because free speech is a joke. And if you're not in the free speech zone, uh, then you could be subject to arrest. So he's just been arrested over and over and over again. And I guess he's had it. Uh, this is his press release that he sent out to his uh to his email list. For immediate release, Julian Heiklin arrived in Israel on May 22nd, two days ago, as a political exile. He was granted Israel citizenship at customs. There is currently a warrant for his arrest in Santa Ana, California, because he distributed pamphlets on the sidewalk in front of the U.S. District Courthouse in Santa Ana. Also, he was arrested for the same offense, but the cases were dismissed in Springfield, Massachusetts, Newark, New Jersey, and 11 times in Manhattan, New York. However, the Department of Homeland Security refuses to return his confiscated property. He was tortured seven times in three New York hospitals and once in a Springfield hospital. He was dragged out of his bed at home at six, uh, six in the morning by 11 law enforcement officers and placed in jail in the federal courthouse in Manhattan. He was arrested by New York City police for standing on the sidewalk in front of the, the Isaiah Wall across from the U.N. building in New York City and holding two signs which read, Stop Hating Jews. As a result, he was incarcerated for two weeks in Rikers Island Jail before his case was dismissed in the interest of justice. However, New York City refuses to return his confiscated property. He has been convicted for criminal contempt of court in Orlando, Florida, and sentenced to 145 days in jail for distributing jury information on the sidewalk connecting the county courthouse to the parking lot. The conviction has been appealed, though Heiklin has already served 22 days in the Orange County Jail. In Manhattan, New York, he was on trial on a grand jury indictment forged by the U.S. attorney. Title 18 in the U.S. Code... 3161 states, in any case in which a plea of not guilty is entered, the trial of a defendant charged in an information or indictment with the commission of an offense shall commence within 70 days from the filing date and making public of the information. Judge Kimball Wood colluded in the forgery by purposely violating that code to give the U.S. attorney time to produce a witness. On at least two occasions, undercover agents posed as jurors to entrap Heiklin into jury tampering. Both attempts failed. Heiklin has copies of the recordings. After 18 months with no success, Judge Wood finally dismissed the charges in April of this year. The situation described above is the 21st century of the Watergate scandal of the Nixon administration. Yet the U.S. and world press mostly have ignored this story and refused to publicize it. Without publicity, there will be no justice. All of the above happened because Heiklin told the truth. The United States is now Nazi Germany of the mid-1930s. Hitler is in the White House. The press is afraid to report the news. The American people are in denial. The United States is the number one prison state in the world. The mass executions are still to come. That's, his, that's, the, that's the story, yep. Yeah. That's the statement from Julian Heiklin as to his reasons for fleeing the United States and yep. seeking asylum in Israel. This is a former college professor, retired, retired college professor. This is not a man of, uh, you know, no, <laughs> no uh, education or anything like that. You know, what's interesting. Uh, the Florida Constitution says, part one, section four, it says every person may speak, write and publish sentiments on all subjects, but shall be responsible for the abuse of that right. So I wonder if uh, informing people that, you know, you have the power to nullify the government is considered an abuse of that right. Apparently it is. I, I think it was a contempt of court charge is what ended up uh, throwing him in that jail cell, or the, the re, their excuse for throwing him in that jail cell. Because they said he couldn't do it, and right. then, you know, he did it. Right. How dare he think that he can speak 
How dare he believe that he could tell, talk to others, hand them information on public so-called property? Yeah, you know, I think I don't think that the average the average American doesn't protest, but they believe that they have the right to protest if something important enough happens. <laughs> right. Good luck. And I don't think that they understand that this is a man who is handing out pamphlets of only the truth. I mean, you know, I, I know what they're talking about here. Jury nullification is the truth. It's been the truth for a thousand years. It's one of the oldest rights of uh, free people. And, a, you know, I mean, he's handing out these pamphlets on courthouse steps and those that are in power don't like it. It's an unpopular. Admittedly, it's a very unpopular, right? And I think that there's, you know, there's reasons why it might be unpopular. I don't think it's by any uh, stretch of the imagination a panacea for liberty. But it's an important uh, aspect of it to him. And he's he's not lying. He's just standing out on court steps handing out pamphlets. This isn't jury tampering. This is freedom of speech. He's not trying to affect any particular case. And to go after a guy, ignore him. Is is whatever he's handing out so important that you need to bring down the force of the state on him? Yes. Apparently so. Six months? Yeah. I this mean, is very dangerous information to the state's uh, power structure. I they mean, can't just have they can't just allow you to stand there and give this information out. They have been look, working we for have decades been passing, to oppress this we information. We have been passing this uh, information out here in Keene uh, for Well, things are better here years, in New Hampshire. And it hasn't made any difference at all. I would contend in fact that if what they want to have happen is for this information to be marginalized, that the best thing for them to do is to let this guy pass this information him. out. I see well, what you it, mean. It may not have had a difference here in Keene, but there is certainly a difference in Greenfield Mass when Demo and Pete from Coplock were charged with wiretapping, I mean, that was a clear case of jury nullification. That was jury nullification? Yeah. I mean, I just thought they didn't feel like they were guilty. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control here. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Bardo Fest is a camping gathering at Bardo Farm, an off-the-grid, eco-friendly farm in Croydon, New Hampshire. Attendees will enjoy live music performances, sustainability workshops, comedy, firearms education, terrific farm-raised food, vendors, and camping under the stars. Treat yourself and relax at Bardo Fest, May 25th through the 28th. A full festival pass, including camping, is just $50. Go to bardoproject.com. B-A-R-D-O project.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You are invited to bring up whatever's on your mind uh, and take control of the airwaves. 1-855-450-3733. Of course, you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. The webcam is there. You can watch, you can listen, you can interact with other listeners because the uh, the cam is built into the same page as the chat room. So head over to cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam.freetalklive.com. We're going to continue with your calls here in a, in a moment, but we actually had a guest scheduled right for the beginning of the show. Unfortunately, he uh, wasn't able to join us at the immediate uh, start of the program. He's someone that uh, longtime listeners of the show are familiar with. Uh, we'll talk to him every now and then about all things silver and gold. He is Ted Anderson, uh, the president of Midas Resources, also the man who is behind the Genesis Communications Network, which is the company that uh, that syndicates this radio program. Ted, welcome back to Free Talk Live. 
Hey, thanks for having me back, Ian. How are you? Oh, it's always great to have you. I'm doing well. Of course, you're here also with uh, Brad Jardis, and uh, Mark is here. Uh, what uh, what prompted uh, bringing us uh, having you on the program here tonight is, uh, well, it seems like it might be a decent time to buy silver. What have you been seeing going on out there? Well, I mean, right now we have uh, silver at 28.42. It's up 48 cents, but it is dropped down below that $30 level, which seems to be a bottoming area. It is common for gold and silver to reach a bottom somewhere between this uh, March, April, May, June, that particular time. You know, usually the fall is when it's really strong and hot. When when you see Greece, you know, falling apart like it is, the euro sort of melting apart, you know that there's still plenty of problems out there financially. And uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a good time to be buying and getting in. You know, I, I was looking at the website and uh, that, that we have. When you go to gold or silver.freetalklive.com, mm-hmm. One of the really great offers that we have up there is that American Dream that Tad Lumpkin put together. It's just such a wonderful little film. Uh, probably most everybody in your audience has watched it, but when you get it in the original form and you hand it to your parents or whatever, you know you get to know a little bit more about the economy. It's done in an animation. I just think it's so cool. And it's $63 delivered, and you get two silver dollars with that. But you know, the, it, you're right about that, Ian. It's, it's a good time to be getting into silver. And uh, it's a good time to be getting into gold. You want to be able to buy when the market's down. And we have that right now. Uh, It's like the uh, whiplash effect. We've had this really super hot, you know, sizzling market last year. And then now the pendulum has swung back, even though all the economic problems are still there. Yeah, you know, and that's probably, you know, some people like me, for instance, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call myself heavily invested in metals. Because I don't have money to heavily invest, but for my percentage of investment, I'm heavily invested mm-hmm. in uh, metals. And you know, things were really hot last year. Silver was up what to fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it hit fifty dollars at a peak, and, really? now, and, and now it's less than uh, less than thirty. So you know, if you bought at fifty, I didn't. Uh, but if you bought at fifty, you might be feeling you know a little burnt and that kind of thing. Now, there's nothing one can really do about whatever downturns that have been in the market is all you can do is attempt to figure out what's going to happen in, in the future but you and, can't possibly know what's going to happen in the future for sure but sure. i mean over over you can't his, for, know for sure over history silver and gold have kept their value on pace with uh, with inflation isn't that true ted well that is true and we still have a fiat currency system and we still have a tremendous amount of debt in this country and the politicians are still going to turn to the printing press to solve problems absolutely that you can predict yeah that, that's a safe yeah. prediction otherwise my crystal ball the batteries ran out so i I don't know exactly where it's going to go but yeah you know that's just the thing i mean when you look at what's going on across the globe and you you know you just know that there's trouble and the politicians like i said they turn to the fed the fed finances the sale of the u.s treasuries right now the fed is what 75 80 percent holder of the u.s treasuries and uh, and so they're the they're the main financers if it's not them it's china and and what do you do when we keep on you know spending our way into prosperity so to speak you're going to have inflation you know but uh, again we still have high unemployment it's still a you know we still have a lot of issues that are going on here that can be dampening to the price of gold and silver but eventually, you know, once you're when you print so much money and you, and you create so much debt, prices will rise. And and so just be patient, put it away and, and make it your savings account. And, you know, that's how I've been looking at it, because it's, it's my prediction, you know, for myself when I look at these things is it can only go up in the future. And I, I did speak re- recently to a, a good friend of mine who's a, a you mean long term, Mark. I mean, clearly it can't only go up. It's gone down sometimes. You can't make a statement like that. I, it's not I, true. In the long term, I think. 
it can only go up. You're right. Historically, yes, that seems to be the case. Well, they're printing money, and right. at this point, as Ted had said, essentially the government is the largest holder of the government's printed money, and this is uh, the debt that created the government's printed money. This is an incredibly scary way to run an economy, and at that point, you know, it's it's very difficult to divide, divest yourself of uh, U.S. dollars. One of the best ways to do it is to have something that's of value in your hand, and that's gold and silver. About three years ago, I listened to a Cato podcast where they talked about how the FDIC had about $54 billion to insure like $4.4 trillion in deposits or something like that. <laughs> and I mean, when I heard that, I mean, everyone... You know, believes that the the fiat money system is is sound because of you know the things that are put in place to to keep runs on banks and things, but it's all just a a show of cloud and smoke. It's a good point, though. I mean, the FDIC does cover the bank deposits, and there isn't enough to to uh, to keep everybody if everybody tried to draw their money out at once. But the truth of the matter is, is that the taxpayers are going to be on the hook. What's going to happen is the federal by the U.S. Treasuries and the people that have been saving their money are going to watch the value of their currency just melt apart because of the fact that they'll always bail out the banks. So you, you'll always see that happen. The big banks will never fail because the Fed will step in. It'll be just either it'll be outright, outfront, covert ta- tarp, or they're going to, or they're going to just, they're going to do it under the table. But they're going to make sure that the that the uh, that the Federal Reserve Bank branches and their agencies don't fall apart because once that happens, the the whole car, house of cards falls down in the United States. It's just not going to happen. But you will see inflation because of it, because they're going to turn on the printing press to solve these problems. So when I was looking at uh, the prices of gold and silver uh, right now, I was thinking to myself, now's the time to buy. If, I, you know, if I've got the money, I'm going to buy. And um, Ian, actually, you're, you're on the fence of uh, doing this right now. I'm actually on the, the order page right now, the <laughs> right. clean silver round. <laughs> and so that's why I wanted to talk to you about this. There's another thing I wanted to talk to you about, too, which I think is kind of uh, you know, a fun fact. But um, you, so, so, I mean, what kind of deals do you have for the Free Talk Live audience that uh, you know, is, is realizing that silver's nice and low right now, and of course the, the government's uh, treatment of our money isn't getting any better? Well, Ian's talking about silver rounds right now, and they're at thirty-one forty-three. That's a pretty good price for those. Um, what I think is the best deal on that whole page, and even probably the best deal in my entire company, is that very top special offer where you have the American Dream video and two silver dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, there you have an explanation of what the Fed is about. You get to learn the whole deal. The, the book is good along with it. And then two silver dollars, those silver dollars are used as money back at the turn of the century. Another really great deal is that Creature from Jekyll Island book. But the silver rounds are good. The, the, the maple leaf is a good deal. Uh, modern, uh, you know, commemorative gold coins, wherever you decide you want to go. The franc coin at 341.16, if you're looking for a small piece of gold, survival bags of dimes are like those. I mean, there's just a, right now you're, you're going to be able to take advantage of the low price of silver. I mean, a Lakota silver round at $35.93. That's a good buy as well. I'm the kind of guy I'm going to go with the, the cheapest and the best, if uh, if possible. And that clean silver round's the, the way to go for me at uh, 31.43. You can order a whole bunch of them and, and stock up because the more you order, the cheaper it is as far as how much you're paying per round for shipping as well. So that's important to keep in mind. Ted, thanks for stopping in, man. Always appreciate hearing from you. T- on yep, not show. a problem. I'm glad to be here. Once again, drop by uh, silver.freetalklive.com. We'll also give you a phone number coming up here in moments. 
What has happened to America, and when did it become okay for the government to extort wealth from the American people? As a former law enforcement officer, I have explained in my new book, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth, how absolute property ownership has been denied to the American people, how and why inflation is fleecing America, how law enforcement officers are being used to suppress and criminalize the beliefs of liberty and freedom. In Plain Sight explains how we can restore what was once a free America. Get your copy of In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth today at Amazon.com. Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that await you there. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com. We've got our mobile site as well. For those of you with a smartphone, you can go to m as in mobile.freetalklive.com. That's m.freetalklive.com. Head over there and enjoy the uh, quick links you'll find to our live streams, broadband, mid-band, and narrowband. Different stream bit rates for different uh, internet connection speeds. Plus, you'll also find links to software that you can use to listen to Free Talk Live over on your mobile device at m.freetalklive.com. We were just talking with uh, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources, and I wanted to make sure that folks out there that were listening, that were thinking about getting some gold and silver, uh, would know a phone number as well. Because not everybody listening to the radio has internet access. There are still people out there that prefer a phone call, or maybe they just prefer talking to a human being rather than ordering through a form on the internet. You can always call Midas Resources at the following number, 800 686 2237. You can, of course, go to silver.freetalklive.com or gold.freetalklive.com and take you to the same place and dial them up also at 800 686 2237. That's Midas Resources, 1 800 686 2237. And, you know, as, as far as full disclosure goes, Free Talk Live does get a cut of whatever you purchase over there at uh, gold.freetalklive.com or call on that telephone number. But you're still going to find their darn good prices. There's great prices and I have ordered through there, and Ian, I believe you have too. Is yes, right? I have. Yeah, I've I ordered more than once. Yeah, same here. More than more than I've one ordered time. the uh, the clean silver rounds before. I've ordered some uh, some francs, some, some gold francs. I've ordered uh, also the uh, the bag of dimes, a survival yeah. bag. What the thing I like about uh, ordering from there is is you know you can probably hunt and scour eBay for a slightly better deal. Um, I tend to like the uh, the dimes, the silver dimes, because I think they're nice little mm-hmm. monetary units. You can do business with them, um, and I do a lot of business in silver. Uh, but you know, you can have whatever you can get, whatever you want. Um, I like those, but it's you know, it's 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 just easier to order through Midas. You're going to get a better deal with those dimes than you are at pretty much any other gold or silver purveyor on the internet. And you can, if if you don't, if, if suddenly whatever reason the price goes up, you want to sell and you want to sell easily. You don't want to spend time doing on eBay or whatever that way too. You can sell to Midas also. Oh, really? Yeah, they buy everything. Interesting. So there you go. Gold.freetalklive.com. Get your orders in while the price is still on the downside. I mean, of course, it always could go down more, but that's always the guessing game, right? You never really know for sure uh, where these things are going to go. It seemed like it was over 30 for quite a while. And so if it's under 30 It seems really unlikely to me that it could go much lower than than it has been. But, you know, then again... Well, who knows what? You never know. But all that said, like I, like we were talking about, I don't buy gold and silver as an investment. I don't, you know, keep my eye on the price and start sweating about whether I'm going to 
lose money. No, I just uh, you know sock it away. I keep it in a safe place, and it's it's a way to uh, to keep value for me. Yep. It's it's a way to retain the value that I've created because when you get when you get your paycheck. Uh, and you go out and do things with it, then that's one thing because you can you can buy things and those have value to some extent. But if you're buying gold and silver over time, you look at like uh, the price of gasoline, for instance. That's way up in our lifetimes. It's gone much further than uh, I remember. It was lower than a buck. Yeah. Uh, Fifteen years ago, it was when I got my license in '96. Right. And uh, so there's been big changes there. But if you look at the price of gas in terms of silver, then you'll see that over decades. The same amount of silver buys you about the same amount of gas. Right. So it's it's really important that people understand what the government people, the government guys are doing to your money. You think those greenbacks in your wallet are yours. Well, yeah, you have possession of them, but you don't have possession of the value that's attached to them. Because anytime the government uh, banks, or the, the Federal Reserve, rather, uh, which is basically a government bank, although technically it's private, uh, anytime the Federal Reserve prints out more money into the system, it devalues the money that you are holding in your bank account or in your wallet. And so, therefore, they're essentially stealing from you. They're essentially taxing you with they're this hidden tax. Co-opting the value. But yeah. when they print more money out, they can't steal value from your silver. They can print and print and print and print, and it will not steal the value of the silver. The silver has value based on other factors, like you know who's buying it in the marketplace, for what industrial purposes. It's a commodity. Yeah, there's all kinds of factors that go into the price of silver. But the thing that I like about it is, is that uh, you decide when you're talking about stealing. Is you decide when it comes to reporting capital gains when you sell your precious metals. You know, you decide what you report to the government, how you report to the government, and that kind of thing. So. It, it gives you the, the, the control in that area. You have to pay capital gains tax when you sell silver? You have to ca- pay capital gains tax when you sell comic books, my friend. I don't even know <laughs> what a capital gains tax is, and I wouldn't know what you have to pay or don't have to pay because I am not convinced that I have to pay them anything due to the fact that there's no citizen. And they believe you have to pay them everything. There's so. no obligation. Uh, I have not seen any sort of uh, real obligation that proves that I owe them anything. So well, I what's mean, a capital gains tax? You yourself pay property tax under duress it's under duress because i know that there are men with guns who are going to come here and and take my my you know get my family out of my house but they could do the same thing if you don't pay capital gains tax it's just harder to you know harder to pin it down especially with trading of metals i mean how how do they track that you'd have to tell them like mark's saying you'd have to give them a heads up and let them know i just want to do the right thing and let you know i sold some silver yeah i would recommend you not uh, do that (laughs) yeah they they would love you to let you let them know so, uh, so again, go to silver.freetalklive.com. That's where I am at right now. Probably going to get some of those uh, clean silver rounds. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Of course, you can bring up whatever you want. <laughs> Just thinking, you know, when you say people, – people wonder about the radio and what's real and what's not real, but not when Ian says it. Ian, when he, Ian says he's going to do something, that's what he's going to do. That's the kind of guy he is. Well, watch yeah. yeah, he's probably going to do it right now, and I can see him. All right. Not right now because I'm uh, busy doing a radio program here, but uh, <laughs> 855-450-FREE, that's – the SACL CAI toll-free line. Speaking of finances, I guess this this whole Facebook thing has kind of blown up. What, have you guys heard anything about the IPO where I guess people were expecting something big? Ha, have there ever been IPOs that haven't crashed and burned? Like It seems like everyone that everyone watches, all these big ones supposedly, end up going through just this crash and burn process after 24 hours. Surely there have been uh, successful IPOs. There must be, but nobody, they don't make the news, right? Like all these big corporations that are supposed to be uh, really impressive with this IPO thing. And this is initial public offering. This is where a company goes from privately owned mm-hmm. to publicly owned. That's correct. 
I still don't understand why someone would want to do that with their company. Is it just because they're just greedy? It's the money. They just want they just want the money. Well, I mean, money allows you to do a great. I mean, imagine if Free Talk Live suddenly got ten million dollars. I mean, that would be a huge amount of yeah, money. Yeah, but you for also Free Talk get Live. owned by somebody else. Sure, right? Absolutely. Now, I mean, <laughs> so why would you want that? Mark Zuckerberg owns the, the 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 majority share of the the of the share, so he still makes the decision. Okay. So, you know, I don't think that you're... I don't and think what's that, the point if... if uh, it's see, the money. The point is the money. No, no, no. no but, okay, so so if Mark Zuckerberg makes all the decisions, what's the point in, uh, in I guess, in buying in? I guess the, the hope that because you'll make money. Because he's been successful so far. Right. For the same reason you buy gold or silver, that if you buy into Facebook's publicly traded stock and it goes up, then you can sell it and be worth more money. Well, that's not why I buy gold and silver. Oh, I don't well. buy as an investment. But you're saying the gamble of the investment right. that hopefully Facebook... but. Gosh, really? I mean, I would I, I would be afraid to buy on any sort of IPO because it seems like I mean, by the way, I know well, nothing about stocks and I'm clearly not one of these trader uh, type people. Well, I think that this is a great but, example of how the um, you know, the, the the people who offer the IPO um, do 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 the initializing. They do the pencil whipping because uh, you know it's exciting. Facebook comes out; it's an exciting company. Mm-hmm. They get all kinds of press. Uh, this is probably the most an IPO is the most excitement that's going to be around a stock a company's stock for a long time, barring any huge occurrence. Right. That's the. I mean, that's that's a lot of press. People buy based on press. Uh, you know the. <laughs> You know, in in stocks, you're told to zig, not zig when everybody else is zagging. That's because everybody zags when when somebody's when they're supposed to zag. So they're you know. So the, that's why these IPOs go go bust so bad. Is what the, you're saying. The news says zag, and they and everybody zagged. And, and what do you know? You got screwed. I, I think that I think that Facebook. You know, what are they at? Thirty one now when they came I out at thirty eight. Clue. Something like that. And you know, it seems. It seems like a company that's going to go up in value. It's hard for me to imagine that uh, Google's going to be at 500 and Apple's going to be at 300 and Facebook's going to sit at 20. That just doesn't make much sense to me. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Plus, once you go public, then you become subject to more rules, don't you? At that no, point? That much Quite a true. few yeah. securities rules. awful. It's Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features on the site there. Freetalklive.com here tonight. It's Ian. And Bradley. And Mark. And uh, you can join us on the phones. 855-450-FREE. Plus, if you need some sporting equipment, camping gear, perhaps you got... uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival coming up here in less than a month. 
ManVenture can help you. Yeah, ManVentureOutpost.com is a great place to pick up whatever you might need for the Porcupine Freedom Festival or whatever camping you might do. Um, you know, you need tents, you need sleeping bags, you need uh, air mattresses, all those things they've got. They've got everything for the outdoor enthusiast, and they've got them at the best prices you're going to be able to find in one place on the internet. Uh, ManVentureOutpost.com. They've got the name brands, and they've got them at the best prices. Knives, ammunition, lots of, lots of people stocking up on ammunition right now. Scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment. You can get everything you need at ManVentureOutpost.com. They're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices, in fact, are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. One of the trends that we've been following over the the years on this program is is watching old media. And being that Free Talk Live is kind of a hybrid uh, in that we're part old media and part new media in that we are on the radio, broadcast, AMFM uh, radio, and also available in uh, live stream form and podcast online. Uh, we're kind of a crossover, a hybrid of uh, of the old and the new, and it's it's fascinating watching the old media in their their death throes, watching them specifically print, uh, specifically the newsprint, the, specifically the daily newsprint, because yes. the, the weeklies are doing all right. Actually, the weekly I was you, just going to jump on it. <laughs> yeah, the, the unique kind of weekly papers, uh, like uh, let's see, down in uh, down in the south, there's the Weekly Planet, I believe it is called. Yeah, that's uh, well, the Weekly Planet, or it's called. Uh, the uh, creative loafing. Creative loafing is the company that owns it. At one point, I think it was it the Onions Atlanta. Another one? weekly. The Atlanta ones uh, called creative, creative loafing, loafing and they own the Weekly Planet. Yeah, there's the Boston Phoenix uh, in the Boston area, I believe it's the called Sunday Union Leader here in New Hampshire. The Sunday Union Leader. Yeah, yeah. isn't that that's part a, of like a, a daily major publication? Though I think it's separate. If you if you go to the website, there's a it's it's de- it's different. It's like okay. a separate publication. I'm only considering uh, organizations that don't have a daily paper attached to oh, them. Okay. Uh, but those those weekly publications are actually doing pretty well, from what I understand. And I think that that model is something that would work for the dailies too. Now I'm not in. Wait, going weekly? No, going uh, basically handing out your product for free oh, I see. for the advertising. I mean, the advertisers uh, are still still go to the they still go to the newspaper. Either it works for them, or they're just so brainwashed into going there. I'm not going to claim to know, but they still go to the newspaper and they. <laughs> with the intention of uh, getting new customers on board, and peop- and the newspapers are charging people fifty cents in order to see their ads. They want seventy five cents here in Keene, New Hampshire. Seventy five cents? Wow, that's I mean, right. that's nuts. It is nuts, especially considering the fact that the newspaper, at least here in a lot of places, this is true, has cut down their size. Yeah. So they are no longer the the same width that they were. They're no longer as broad of a broad sheet as they're called in the industry. And uh, and you can actually go uh, and look at the newspaper bins or the boxes or vendor – what do you call them? A newspaper vending machine things? There's, there's a name Newspaper box. Uh, yeah, newspaper boxes Whatever. around town. And you can see the paper itself doesn't fit in the old window because when they manufactured these boxes years ago, they were manufactured for the, sheet, the standard broadsheet width. Something wider. And it's no longer that, that standard width anymore. It's, mm. it's, it's an inch, inch less. And so, uh, so it, looks, it looks tinny. In comparison to the old version, plus when you actually pick up the paper and you page through it, the paper feels a little cheaper. You know, it just doesn't have the same uh, oomph to it, I guess that uh, that it wants it. If paper can have an oomph, it uh, it doesn't have that. <laughs> yeah, I say. <laughs> You know, increase. Uh, you know, get rid of the get rid of the daily price, or bring it down so low that uh, people. I don't. 
you know, maybe you need to. I don't know. I get rid of the the the, the daily price and. That's a question I have. Get your advertisers, uh, you know, to 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 support the whole weight. Lower portion, your prices so that uh, the people they can have more ads. Bring what, in more ads. What portion of the you know I don't, I've never worked in newsprint, so I don't know these things. You don't either, Mark. You did work it for a magazine. So yeah, you've, and you've worked in print. At and least. magazines generally will go up to. Fifty percent, you know, a good magazine will be fifty percent ads and fifty percent content. That's a good answer, but it wasn't the question I was going okay. to ask. Um, the question I was going to ask is uh, you that know, it of, been. of the <laughs> <laughs> of the amount that it costs to print a paper. So on one iteration, so one day mm-hmm. of the amount that it costs to print that paper and distribute that paper to all of the readers. What percentage of that cost is the advertising dollars, and what percentage of that cost is the quarters going into the the machine? What percentage of that is subscriptions? What percentage of that is is the quarters? Like, how much would they have to raise ad rates, or or how much you know would they have to make up in order to be able to do what you're suggesting, and that is cover the entire cost of a daily paper with all advertising? I you know, obviously I can't answer that question. I mean, you know, you need a newspaperman in here, and I don't have one, and um, you know, I'm certainly not going to rush off and get into a dying industry. Well, that's what Warren Buffett is doing. He is getting into a dying industry. He has uh, struck a deal this month to acquire 63 newspapers with his Berkshire Hathaway company. Said he may buy more publications as the industry rethinks whether to offer free content on the internet. This, is according to Bloomberg.com. Now, this uh, Buffett. Guy, Mark, has the opposite uh, view as you. He doesn't believe that news should be free. Uh, he is, uh, of course, a great example of the dying uh, breed no, out news there. News isn't free. News is paid for by advertisers. But what he means is free to the end user. I understand. That's what he's talking about here. Look, I, news has value. There's no doubt news has value. But you need to ask yourself if somebody has the option. I mean, I get the newspaper at my house. And don't read it because I get the daily email from the same news company and I can look at the headlines in a convenient manner. And if I see a story that interests me, I'll click on it and read it. So I get the newspaper at my house, but read the website that has, uh, you know, that, that newspaper's website. I just found an article from 2009 that says printing the New York Times costs twice as much as sending every subscriber a free Kindle. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> wow. I want to hear more about that when we get a chance. Uh, the reason we get the newspaper at my house is because my wife uh, you know, says that we get, just, we get enough uh, coupons out of it to make it make sense. I see. Yeah, I was going to be my next question is why you're, you're still getting the, the, the print version versus the online. I guess the online, you don't get any coupons. If you, and, and my wife, uh, you know, we, we don't really eat food that comes in boxes or bottles or things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the coupons just don't apply to us at all, but she finds it to be valuable enough. So we continue to get it. So this old, uh, and, you know, to Warren Buffett's credit, obviously he's a lot more wealthy than uh, than you or I or right. Brad Jardis all put together. Uh, but that said, he's old money. I mean, he's uh, he's he made his money a long time ago and is now, of course, you know, it takes money to make money. So he's got investments in all kinds of places and is making bank off of decisions he made a, a long time ago. That just because he made good decisions in the, in the past doesn't mean that he's making good decisions now. It's just that it would be hard to, for anybody on the outside who's not Warren Buffett to determine whether or not he is, uh, you know, a small decision that he makes, like buying 63 newspapers for him. That's nothing because uh, you know, newspapers are pretty cheap. Well, if he's for Warren Buffett, no, it's not. I think he only spent a few million dollars on it. What, 142 million? That's for nothing. Warren Buffett, that's pocket change. 
It's a lot of money. But <laughs> for you for you and I, and for anybody else, it's a lot of money. Well, well I mean, it says he's going to add more paper. I- Add more papers because he thinks it should be free to the end user. Does that mean he's no? Pay for that's it? that's the thing. He doesn't think it should be free. Oh, he thinks that free news is unsustainable. He says this is an unsustainable model, and certain of our papers are already making progress and moving to something that makes more sense. Buffett wrote this in a letter to editors and publishers of Berkshire's daily newspapers. He wrote to them that we want your best thinking as we work out the blend of digital and print that will attract both the audience and the revenue that we need. So he's looking at uh, the, the the state of news on the internet as it is today, and that is you can get pretty much what you want for free. Like if, if one website is putting it behind a paywall, just Google it, and you'll probably find it on some other website. Right, and that's, that's why I just, you know, is he living in a world where uh, you have these monopolies or these powerful companies that can, uh, you know, put the supply-side economics that forces people into situations where they, you know, wouldn't otherwise go? The fact is, yeah, free news is a sustainable model because there's free news, a lot of it. And it's not going to go away. Well, I think that's you're right, Mark. I think I he mean, is, all he can do is create the newspaper equivalent of the MPAA, uh, the Motion Picture Association of America, or the right. Recording Artists of America, the RIAA, a recording industry. Which wouldn't surprise uh, me if he did, as the news industry centralizes even more. And with then try like, to hunt down people that are you know using whatever news that he feels is, is his. We'll come back to more of what uh, Buffett is saying here about the future of news on the Internet, 855-450-FREE. He's 81 years old, by the way. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Of course, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind as we approach hour number two, which is next, 855-450-FREE. Your thoughts on the news business, old media, or whatever you want goes. Free Talk Live. The liberty movement is bursting at the seams with women from all walks of life who are courageously dedicating their time and energy in the pursuit of a freer society. Every day, the message is spread by this small but growing demographic. This year, at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the creators of Silver Circle will be giving away the first ever Zoe Taylor Award. Zoe Taylor is the lead female rebel in the upcoming animated film Silver Circle, whose dedication to destroying the Federal Reserve makes her a positive female role model. Nominate who you think deserves the Zoe Taylor Award today by sending an email with the name and a 300-word minimum essay of why you think this person deserves the Zoe Taylor Award to award at silvercirclemovie.com. The deadline for nominations is June 1st at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit silvercirclemovie.com for more details. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. That's the toll-free number. It's brought to you by SACL CAI. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you uh, where you can actually control the content of the website. You find something online you think's interesting, submit it as show prep at freetalklive.com. Then uh, other listeners will vote, and you can vote as well. The most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of the site over at freetalklive.com. So head over there, get interactive. Once again, freetalklive.com. As we continue here, uh, for those of you just tuning in, we, in the last hour, were talking about uh, the old media, specifically newsprint, and to be very specific, daily 
newsprint, daily newspapers. They're having a pretty tough time. They've been having a tough time over basically the last decade, uh, acceleratingly difficult of a time over the last five years, uh, as newspapers all across the country have been sold for pennies on the dollar, uh, some of them shutting down completely. And yet still amongst all this, there are some of them that are trying their damnedest to uh, stay afloat, although some of them have been sold off again at uh, you know, a fraction probably of what they might have sold for 30 years ago uh, to people like Warren Buffett. According to Bloomberg.com, Buffett and his Berkshire Hathaway Incorporated struck a deal to acquire 63 newspapers which uh, for which he paid $142 million dollars. Uh, so you know about two million per paper on uh, on average there. Buffett is adding to their newspaper holdings with that deal. Uh, he bought the Buffalo News back in 1977 and said in 2009 that newspapers have the potential for unending losses. Is now betting that papers with a community focus can profit as they change their models. I would agree that uh, you know they. That local news source has a huge amount of momentum. Nobody's covering the local news. Nobody has the newsroom uh, like these local newspapers do. They have the reporters. They have uh, you know they, they, the momentum. Advertisers are used to advertising there. If they can clean up this antiquated uh, model that they've got. I mean, they're ad venues. They are an ad venue. They need to understand that they're an ad venue. They are a way to deliver advertising to people. I'm looking at a website right now, and I see advertising on the side, but I'm there because of the news. Mm -hmm. I'm drawn there for the news, and I get the ads. Well, newspapers here in New Hampshire uh, started to be subsidized, and I think you guys covered this last year because uh, the laws are written in such a way that require so many different things to be you know, published in the local in the newspaper. That's true. So when the newspapers started to lose funding and lose their uh, lose their money or lose their subscriber base, like the uh, there was this this situation that arose where they're like, "What do we do when there's all these people who need to meet these legal requirements, but the newspaper shuts down?" So <laughs> then the state gets involved and gives the money, and it's it's. Didn't that happen in Claremont, New Hampshire? Yes, that's yeah. where it happened. Claremont, it's the Eagle. Yep. the 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 newspaper was going to go out of business, and the the government essentially bailed them out didn't they yep yep is it a government-run operation or what happened there do you I don't know, know what the details are i'm I'll curious about that well anyway we've been talking about the kind of this old media perspective on how to do things online and buffett's saying he doesn't believe that free news has a future he's saying that uh, the industry needs this, to... the new internet thing's a fad right well <laughs> it's going away well i don't think he thinks the internet's going away but he certainly thinks that he can uh shut down any sort of free access that people have to their newspaper websites and continue to run a profitable operation uh with other companies out there offering news for free that's going to be the real trick i think mark you kind of touched on earlier the idea that all these newspaper conglomerates the new york times uh, warren buffett and these other characters uh that, let's see uh, I guess the guy behind uh, Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch, he owns a few papers as well. Quite a few. So these guys are, you know, if they can if they can get all these different newspapers under their wings and then put them all behind a paywall, they think they've got it uh, the fix in. But they're not counting on Huffington Post. They're not counting on, you know, all the indie uh, media sites out there, all the independents, freekeen.com, all these people that are out there doing news reporting of some sort, whether it's got a bias or not. I mean, everybody knows news has a bias. So uh, these other 
com- these other companies and individuals and websites and bloggers are going to be out there offering content for free, covering yep. the same stories for free. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch it all go down. No amount of money can shut down competition, and I mean he not he, on the internet. That's not, for sure. No, not on the internet. And the old media and the old good old boy network hate YouTube. They hate anything internet. Sure. I mean, it's it's such a threat to the power structure because it allows people to communicate the truth. And, well, or it allows them to communicate. They can tell. They can communicate lies too. That's true. And, um, but you see, the thing is, is when you misuse your momentum, and that's what newspapers have. That they don't have the momentum they had thirty years ago, mm-hmm. but they've got momentum, a lot of momentum still, because they had a huge amount before. Right. But they've every got branding, time they, they've got subscribers. Every time they misuse their information by sounding biased, that's a sm- in a small way what may drive some people away. But really what it comes down to is, do you want to pay X, do you want to write a check for X number of dollars every month to get this thing uh, s- sent to your door? And the vast, ma- pe- vast majority of people are like, no, I just don't need that to, ha- to have that happen. So you need, to, you need to incentivize people to pick up your ad venue. And they're not. So Buffett, who's 81, says that he believes that while circulation may slip, papers only fail when there are dailies competing in the same town. He says that a publication forfeits its position as the primary. Claremont? Daily? Yeah. Is there a daily competing in Claremont? I doubt it. No, we're not. Uh, he says that a publication forfeits its position as the primary source of locally important information or the market doesn't have a sense of identity, he claims. Well, look, uh, markets, and I think that identity is slipping away from markets. I think that uh, you know, <laughs> you got a McDonald's over here, you got a McDonald's right. over there. What's the difference? The McDonald's look the same. The Home Depots look the same. The WalMarts look the same. You know, most yeah, markets are losing their identities. He says we don't face those problems. He wrote in a letter dated yesterday and posted on the website of the Berkshire Omaha World Herald, which is in the Nebraska town where Buffett's company is based. Berkshire, he says, will probably purchase more papers in the next few years. We will favor towns and cities with a strong sense of community. Well, that's uh, I I don't know how one rates that. Well, and but that's you know for. From his perspective, that's a good approach, right? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to continue making money at newsprint, you better focus local. You better be as hyper local yep. as yep. possible. Agreed. And in any place where they've got that, you know, like here in Keene, they've got a bunch of things around town. If you go to different vendors, uh, different stores around town, you walk in, they've got a little sticker on the window that says "It's Keene to shop locally." Yeah. And so there's you know there's that community sense that I think he's he's looking to pander to to try to keep selling his papers. Yeah, but if you stopped <laughs> if you stop selling the papers. Then you will even have more of that hyper locality because then more people will read the document. Then you'll get be able to there will be more people advertising in it. You mean that, if you stop selling, as in what you were saying last hour, where you take a price tag off the paper and give it away? Yes, I think you should. I, I, it's it's an old model. It's outdated. People look at these uh, penny savers and these uh, you know weekly things, whatever they're whatever they're called in your town. There are probably several of them. They tend to have these kind of fluff news stories about the advertiser in them. They're all classified and uh, ads, but people look at them. And if you give them and they're making money. hard news in one of these things and uh, ads, then, you know, it's going to work. How does like the USA Today stay in, in business? I don't understand. I mean, do they really have that large just advertising? I mean, that many people actually still read national newspapers? I sometimes get news stories from USA Today and uh, you know my show prep. That's all I can tell you about it. I mean, I 
Buffett wrote in the letter, I've got some strong political views, uh, but Berkshire owns the paper. I don't, and Berkshire will always be non-political. The billionaire investor says that editors should focus on making the papers indispensable to local communities. He says, our future depends on remaining the primary source of information in certain subjects of great importance to our readers. Technological change has caused us to lose primacy in various key areas, including national news, sports, stock quotations, and employment opportunities. So be it, he says. Our job is to reign supreme in matters of local importance. And finally here, it says that the newspaper industry suffering drops in print advertising has recently embraced digital subscription plans. New York Times began charging readers to access its news stories online last year, attracting about 450,000 paying subscribers as of March of this year. Its so-called paywall is estimated to bring in $125 million next year for Times Corporation, which, by the way, there's other news about the New York Times. They are now slicing in half the amount of free articles that you can find on their website at nytimes.com so when they launched their paywall the old deal was that you could walk you could go to new york times their website you could read 20 articles uh per month for free now it's down to 10 855-450 free the SACL cai toll free line you can bring up whatever's on your mind take control of the airwaves free talk live are you excited about Flaming Freedom's bigger, gayer dance party at this year's Pork Fest? Oh, yeah. Well, you should be. There's going to be hopping dance music and a giant tent full of Liberty lovers getting their gay on. By gay? Do you mean happy? Oh, uh, d- sure, Claire. Super Gay Dre is bringing his elite team of drag queens led by Fialencia. There's going to be raffles for all kinds of prizes, as well as prizes for gayest costume, best drag queen, and best drag king. So get your ticket now for the insanely cheap price of just $5 at flamingfreedom.com slash dance party. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here is 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and you may enjoy the features there for free. We've got a bulletin board system where you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, and you can do it all uh, for, well, zero cost. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com. You can find that there. And that's, again, bbs.freetalklive.com. Now then, if you are someone who operates a blog or a website and you've been considering adding your own forum, but you don't want to compromise the privacy of your users, visit plainboards.com. P-L-A-I-N, plainboards.com. Offers free-to-use anonymous message boards to anyone who wants one. You don't even have to be a webmaster. You can just go and create your own message board if you want to and then invite your friends to it. There's no installation necessary, and of course you don't have to identify yourself or log in to get started. You just go to plainboards.com, type in the name of the board, and with literally you click go, and that's it. It's there. It's been created for you. Plainboards.com is completely free. P-L-A-I-N boards.com. So let's go to the phones here, and then we can continue talking about the state of uh, newsprint here, because there's more news that is of interest. Let's go first, though, to Sydney. Listening in Montreal. Sydney, you're on Free Talk Live. Bonjour, Jan. Bonjour, Bradley. Bonjour, Mark. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? <laughs> I uh, actually wanted to talk about a situation uh, that's been ongoing here in Quebec. Um, the, the media here likes talking about it as if it's only been going on for three months, but uh, I'd... Uh, like to add a bit more context, uh, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, basically, uh, in in December of last year, something to that effect, uh, the Quebec 
provincial government decided to uh, raise tuition fees for our universities by uh, roughly 75%. Okay, and, that's a pretty uh, big hike. It's quite well, it, it is, but it's actually a hike over the next five years. So um, from 2012 to 2017, uh, the, the, uh, the tuition fees would gradually increase by 75%. Okay. And uh, naturally, uh, the students, a lot of students weren't happy about that. Sure. And uh, e- even though uh, most of the students are still um, progressing normally through their education, um, about three months ago, uh, some, uh, some student associations in some of these universities decided to go on strike and uh, started protesting. And uh, this has been ongoing for the last couple months. And there have been, like, um, different talks and negotiations between uh, the, some uh, government officials and some uh, representatives of uh, student associations. And uh, long story short, uh, they, they managed to pass a law saying that basically even if you, attend a, um, if you attend a university that's on strike and you want to go to your courses, you can go. And basically the, um, the picket lines can't stop you. And uh, that didn't really stop uh, some intimidation from happening on campus. So then uh, the, the hammer really came down uh, last week, actually. Uh, the, um, the provincial government passed uh, Bill 78, which um, allegedly it wants to be a bill that uh, guarantees access to education. You know one of those bills that... Uh, Man, let, let me just read the title in French. Actually, it's too long. But basically, it's one of these bills that says, uh, you know, law guaranteeing access to education. But then they slip in uh, some really draconian things in there. Uh, the, the scariest one to me, personally, is that uh, basically uh, any protest of 50 people or more, uh, you have to declare the protest and the itinerary that you're going to use to the local police eight hours uh, beforehand. To get their permission and, or just to let them know? Uh, you Actually, that's the thing. Because uh, you, you, you probably know how legalese works. But it says that you have to let the police know, but it also says that the police can, uh, the police has the right to um, move the itinerary and say, no, you can't protest there, you have to protest here. And this or, is, uh, I'm sorry, just to clarify, this is only for college students? No, actually, this this is for everyone. Really? It says... And is this just in uh, Quebec, or is it the entire country of Canada? No, 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 this is just in Quebec. Got it. Yeah. Notice, this and is a native Quebecer saying Quebec. Quebec. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm confused by your confusion all of a sudden. Oh, Ian loves to uh, use some kind of, uh, you know, he likes to use some kind of native accent whenever he talks about some place. And he, you, oh, you'll yeah. note that he said Quebec as if, as if he is, in fact, Quebecois. Yeah, but he usually oh, sounds okay. pretty accurate when he does it. <laughs> yeah. I think he sounds ludicrous. <laughs> well, the, the, the fact that I was confused by your confusion is uh, is kind of a, a check mark for Ian, if you will. Indeed. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, there there are other things like basically there are there are fines, there are all sorts of fines that can be imposed on people that break these laws, and uh, the fines can go like private individuals can be fined anywhere from a thousand to five thousand dollars. 
for uh, breaking uh, these laws. Oh, and there's one part, though. I, I, I keep focusing on the part that affects me because I haven't, like, I graduated over 10 years ago, so this issue doesn't really affect me. But uh, there are things like um, banning protests, uh, banning protests within 50 meters of an educational establishment, mm-hmm. uh, post-high school, really? basically. Yes. Wow. And not only that, um, if if you're a student association, the actual association can be fined up to $125,000. Jeez. Yes. Well, you're saying this doesn't affect you, but I thought you said this affects everybody. Oh, well, the right to protest. I mean, uh, this this is like the fact that I can't gather with 49 of my friends without warning the police um, uh, eight hours beforehand definitely affects me. We're talking about the right of association. Okay. Yeah, and, absolutely. And if, and not only that, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a legalese geek, so I actually read one of the initial drafts of the law, which is nine pages long, which is the equivalent of uh, writing it on a napkin by government standards, a nine-page law. It's, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty small by the government standard. Yeah, exactly. So um, the original draft that I read was 10 people or more. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they somewhere along the negotiations between when this bill was a project and when it actually passed, the uh, arbitrary number of 10 was increased to 50. To the arbitrary number uh, of 50, yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, and and so they, has this law passed, or is it just in proposed uh, form? Oh, it's been in effect since Friday afternoon of last week. Okay. It's, it's in effect. Wow. And um, some people will say that it's a temporary law. They always uh, say that. Yeah, but the, the very article that specifies... Uh, sorry. The very article that specifies the deadline, it says that it will expire in July of 2013 or whatever date the government deems appropriate, uh, whatever. Basically, they gave themselves permission to extend the law. Of course. Sure. Hey, thanks for sharing that with us uh, tonight. I'm sorry to hear the news, uh, but I appreciate you letting us know and everybody else out there in uh, Quebec who hasn't heard the news yet. Thanks for the call. Yeah, everyone in Quebec heard the news. Trust me on that. All right, good. Well, we hadn't, and I appreciate you bringing it to us. Thanks for the call, dude. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Still time. Plenty of it for you and your thoughts. And also still to come here, uh, Brad's got this story about the New York Times and how much it costs to actually print the New York Times and how apparently you could buy all their subscribers a Kindle for for that cost. It costs twice as much I'd like to find out more about that. 855-450-FREE+. Plus, looks like uh, the Times-Picayune down in New Orleans is going to be Orleans. shutting down. <laughs> more coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. Eight five five four fifty three. That's the toll free number. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you will find there free. We've got archives. You can go back to late two thousand six. 
Download as many episodes of Free Talk Live as you'd like over at freetalklive.com. Plus, I added a link uh, last night to make it easy to get to our SoundCloud page. If you uh, go to freetalklive.com, you look on the left-hand side of the page uh, where we've got, uh, like down the middle, you've got all the itemed number or the numbered items. But on the left-hand side, there's some other things uh, that are titled. There's one that says Listen and Share. Under that, you'll find FTL on SoundCloud. You can just click that link. It'll take you right to our SoundCloud page, which makes it, which makes it very easy uh, to share any episode of Free Talk Live that you'd like with your friends on your favorite social networking website or your blog or whatever. Again, go to freetalklive.com, grab the archives. For yeah, free. please do that. Please do some sharing of the episodes. Uh, you know, we, we we love people to share them on their Facebook pages. It gets more new and uh, listeners to check out the show, and you know that's what we're looking for. Many companies, as they grow, lose their passion and their mandate. Not so with O'Neill Coffee. The third-generation family-owned business still roasts each batch with the finest beans and the utmost care. They have more than 40 varieties of gourmet and flavored coffees, and you know you can go get, go get your favorite over there. My favorite's the French Roast Decaf, but you certainly don't have to get what I, what I get. It's, uh, it's great coffee. And when I say gourmet, not, you know, people just toss that term around with coffee. But this is some of the best coffee I've ever tasted in my life. To show the Free Talk Live audience their commitment to freedom and making great coffee, they're offering a free mug and free shipping on orders of $75 or more. You can support great coffee craftsmanship at coffee.freetalklive.com. It's coffee.freetalklive.com. We've been chronicling over the last several years on this program the uh, failing state of the newspaper industry. And, you know, let's be honest, the, the radio industry is having a tough time, too. Uh, but they're doing better than, in my opinion at least, radio as, as far as like the big three old media, television, newsprint, radio, radio's doing, I think, the best. Well, I think radio's experienced the most competition. Competition uh, breeds innovation and a better business model. That's a true statement. Yeah. And so when you're talking about one newspaper in town, one television station, uh, one television station in the, the state uh, or whatever. Or you're talking about New Hampshire, but just, in some you know, places they don't have very many more than one or two TV stations. Sure. And in some towns, there's one big newspaper and then three TV stations. In some cities, mm-hmm. and then, but you'll have like fifteen radio stations. Right. In other places, you'll have a newspaper, and then they'll have no television station and five radio stations. But almost, I can't think of any place that has more papers and TV stations than than radio. Yeah, yeah. that there's any kind of uh, that the comparison is you know there at all. So radio has to be more competitive. And Do any radio stations survive if they don't have an internet presence? I mean, is there such thing as sure. AM just AM straight only? You know? Believe yep. it or not, yeah, it's amazing to see, but I don't it, recommend it. <laughs> I think you right, and that's, that's a statement of how just how insulated radio is. I mean, Mark, you mentioned they have competition, which is true, but it's still an insulated business in that the FCC restricts heavily the amount of players that can be in the radio market. In that market that you were talking about with the fifteen radio stations, they could have forty-five radio stations if it weren't for the FCC sure. getting in the way and preventing uh, entrepreneurs from starting up their own station. More competition would be better for the ones that rise to the top the better radio stations it sure it would, would and it would drive me. ad rates down too which would uh, keep you know ads uh, cheaper for the the businesses in it the may area. or may not drive i don't know that it would necessarily drive ad. i would think it would with no, more the competition bi- in the market the bigger maybe the bigger radio stations would then i don't know that that's true i mean i don't i don't know that that's a, a, a true statement the, the bigger radio stations would still please would be would get better and that would be the place where most people would be and you your rates would still be what your rates are so at that point radio would be a better place to advertise for businesses because the competition would have made all those companies better. So I don't know that that's necessarily true. Well, there's other news uh, in regards to newsprint out there. And we were talking about the New York Times, which, of course, is 
it's something to look at for people to examine how just sad the newsprint industry is uh, of course the new york times has had to resort i believe to to actually renting out space in its building in uh, in new york city simply because they need the money and uh, the, and they also flipped over to their subscription model they've uh, they basically they're trying to get people to uh, to subscribe to their online publication and so according to mashable.com Sarah Kessler reports that their paywall is about to get stronger Readers can now access only 10 free articles on the site each month instead of 20. So about a year ago, they started their new paywall program up. They allowed you to get 20 articles per month. Now it's going down to 10. Yeah, I don't think the way to get more business is to decrease service. Uh, the subscribers pay currently. There are about about four hundred fifty thousand subscribers to their pay site. Uh, they pay between fifteen and thirty five dollars per month for access to the digital version of the Times, depending on whether they opt for access to smartphone and tablet apps. Remember when we talked about this the first time? It was like this really confusing scheme yes. that they had. Like if you wanted to have a tablet app, it was five dollars more. But if you have a smartphone app, it was two dollars or something. It was like some crazy, bizarro, confusing scheme. But and it wasn't, and it didn't make any sense uh, as right. far as you know the rates and stuff. You could get, you know, you'd spend more doing something than you would doing another, and basically you get the same thing for, you know, it just didn't make any sense. Right, it's and like of course, b- pricing a value meal higher than the 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 three items that are in it or whatever. I always used to get mad when I would end up on the New York Times website because, like, you know, you click a link because you want to read the news, and then it's like, oh, log in, right. Yeah. Or you can read the paper or read the uh, the link once because you you've got that uh, ten free articles per month. But then if you click the link a second time because you you know you didn't have time to read it the first time you brought it up. Well, at least this happens to me. I'm doing show prep. Somebody links me to a New York Times article and I copy the link and then I put it in my show prep for the night and then I click the link to pull it up and I I no longer have access to it. Yep. Uh, but there's a workaround for that. By the way, uh, you can still access the publication's articles by clicking on links in blogs, search engines. And social sites, even after you reach your monthly limit. And since I knew this was the case, I just searched for the title of the article in Google and then clicked through the Google News link, and it worked. So there's there is that workaround for uh, for the New York Times. Is it because they want people to post it, post things on your feed to get to get traffic up, or yeah, they want traffic to come up to their their site, and they know if people are coming through Google, then uh, then they want them to be able to see the article. But they also want to encourage that person to uh, to order their pay subscription. So when they they identify that that IP address has uh, been surfing on their site on their own, I guess for enough time, then they decide to hit them with the the charges. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like I said, I'm looking at a uh, you know a site here right now, reading the news, and it's got ads all in it. I you know, I mean, put the ads in there. People want the news. They'll come. They'll look at the ads. Just, you know, get these advertisers to pay for it. They'll, they're will they willing to do it. They want where the eyes are. Provide people what they want. They'll put their eyes on it. it this is a model that works. Hey, Brad, give me the numbers on this New York Times. Uh, what's it cost to actually print versus buy each customer or each subscriber a Amazon Kindle? Sure. I mean, do you want me to read the article? Or and this tra- is from 2009, right? You right. can start jumping on the article. Yeah, sure. Okay. This is this is from 2009, and it's from businessinsider.com. So this is the price of a Kindle in 2009, right? And this, which would have been even higher than it is today. Right. I think these came out, what, 08? The Something Amazon like Kindle? That. I would have guessed 2009. <laughs> so this article is titled, uh, Printing the New York Times Costs Twice as Much as Sending Every Subscriber a Free Kindle. 
Not that it's anything we think the New York Times company should do, but we thought it was worth pointing out that it costs the Times about twice as much money to print and deliver the newspaper over a year as it would cost to send each of its subscribers a brand new Amazon Kindle instead. Here's how we did the math. Each year. Each, each year. year. Yeah. Each year. <laughs> Get a new Kindle every year. Two of them. <laughs> Twice as much, right? Yeah. right? They could send you one Kindle and keep the rest of the money for themselves. They could send you a Kindle every six months yeah. and have you read the newspaper on that, which I don't know how effective it would be and couponing and all those things. I mean, there's certainly issues to it. That's an expensive business model. It certainly is. Well, and nowadays Kindles are cheaper, so you probably could get like eight of them in a yeah. year. And but anyway, and full color or whatever. <laughs> it says here's how we did the math. According to Times's Q three hundred eight ten Q, the company spends sixty three million per quarter on raw materials and one hundred and forty eight million on wages and benefits. We've heard the wages and benefits for just the newsroom are about two hundred million per year. Now, they're hugely unionized in New York City, so I don't know, you know how that affects what the comparison is to other radio or other t- uh, newspapers. I'm sites. sure it bears a big cost. We're going to come back with more here, 855-453. You're certainly welcome to comment on the state of newsprint. Maybe you've worked for a newspaper and you've gotten the axe recently, as is about to happen at the Times-Picayune in New Orleans. We'll tell you more about that here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at Mark at FreeTalkLive.com. is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number here is 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free on the site, so enjoy those. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com, because unlike these newspapers around the country that are uh, going through their death throes, we understand that uh, the freemium model can work, and it does work. Uh, if you allow it to, if you put it out there, if people appreciate the work that you're doing, then they're going to reward you with something. And uh, that's the way we do business here at Free Talk Live. You can go to freetalklive.com. You can download however many archives you want, I mean, years and years and years worth of, uh, of archives. You can interact with other listeners, and you can do it all for zero cost to you. But, it, you know, it does cost us money to run this operation here, and we'd appreciate it if you decided to support the show. And we make it easy for you to do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. You can go to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up there, and it's 3 bucks a month. I think the New York Times is charging 15 to $35 per month for their online subscription paywall service, where they're trying to basically coerce you gently into uh, into signing up. I, I guess coercion is not quite the right word, but uh, give you severe incentives. Convince. <laughs> yeah, to uh, persuade you heavily uh, by <laughs> locking down your access to the information on their site and hoping that that will convince you to pay up and pony up. And apparently it has convinced about half a million people to uh, to do that at this point. Over the last year, they've had about half a million signups. Uh, we're nowhere near that. I think we've got a, maybe a, a couple 
few hundred uh, Free Talk Live amplifiers. But a few hundred people sending in three bucks a month makes a big difference for a little uh, radio program like Free Talk Live. I've been a proud amplifier for probably three years now. You have been. And uh, are you a gold right now? Yeah, I was platinum for a while, but then I'm back at gold, and if if I can afford it again in the future, I'll go back up. You know, platinum, gold, that's pretty awesome. It's above and beyond uh, the Call of Duty. All we ask is for the three bucks a month, but uh, you're doing ten right now, Uh, Brad. And I I don't think we've ever gotten on the air and asked anybody to up their amplifier. I mean, you know, thank you to anybody who wants to go beyond being an amplifier, but all we ever ask is for people to do the three bucks a month. Right, and it makes a big difference for us because it makes it so we can market the show, advertise, market, and promotes what AMP stands for. And so it helps us uh, get free talk live on more radio stations around the country uh, so we can help save the radio business as well by giving them some fresh content that's not your typical talk radio that you tend to get out there on most talk radio stations so if you want to help us do that and get perks like access to the amp only call in lines the amp only podcast uh, which doesn't have the usual commercials uh, that uh, the regular podcast does you get perks if you go sign up over at amp.freetalklive.com and the amp podcast is very very high quality as well Uh, so amp.freetalklive.com we're going to get back to uh, news about the news business specifically the newsprint world but mary is on the line in West Michigan. Mary, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, uh, Ian. This hey. is Mary. And I, I called in on Monday and talked to you guys about uh, what happened to me with the $1 bills. Yes. Yeah, and, recap and us think, briefly on that. Yeah, basically I went in to pay a uh, fine of $145 for a ticket and a reinstatement fee in $1 bills. And I had uh, uh, written quotes and had help writing quotes and under duress and a lot of uh, really root striking comments on on these bills and I ended up uh, spending the night in a cage after going through a very uh, traumatic experience of being maced in the face twice and uh, tased twice. And this and is because they didn't want to take the money from you because they claimed right. it had been uh, mutilated by your writing upon it. Correct, and it definitely was not illegal for them to take. I mean, there was there was not that amount of, of damage to the the cash that that I was uh, that I was bringing. Um, well, my brother was there with me, and he had the the camera before it was uh, grabbed, um, or, or they they went for the camera, and then I reached up and grabbed it and put it in my pocket. Said that's my property. I turned it off. It won't be turned back on. And uh, by the time I was back to the door. Um, I, I was, I was grabbed a hold of and I pulled away and they said, that's it. It's over. And then I was, next thing I know I'm, I'm on the ground and I ended up getting pepper sprayed in the face twice and, uh, at least twice. And, uh, my brother was witness to this and he wanted to call in and, or he wanted to, he was willing to call in tonight to talk to you guys. So. I was like, all right, that'd, that'd be cool to get another person's perspective. So, yeah, Dave. Um, so I'm going to put my brother on, and you can basically ask him from somebody who could actually see what was going on from an outsider's perspective. And this of, was going on at a court. Happened. Was this a court lobby where this was taking place? Where was it you were paying that fine? This is the front lobby of the courthouse where I got tased and maced. And, yes, I was there trying to pay the fine at the uh, Hudsonville Courthouse in West Michigan. All right, yeah, go ahead and put your brother on, Brad. You're looking confused. Well, I, I was just, I was just thinking right, that it seems that it seems that courthouses uh, nationwide are pretty violent places to to walk into. 
Absolutely, especially if you have a video camera. As you know, as you had uh, represented Jason Talley from Talley.tv in court just recently, because he walked into the local courthouse with a video camera attached to his lapel and was attacked by the uh, the men, uh, the sheriffs that were there. Yeah. Hello? Hello, this is David. Hi, David. Uh, so you witnessed your, your sister being attacked by uh, the police the other day? Uh, yeah, I did. And the one thing I said to the officer was, When he asked me to turn it off, I stated that, you know, the reason that you want me to turn this off is so there's no documentation, you know, to keep you honest, basically. Yep. Yeah, and that proved, you know, yeah, that that was evident after everything happened. And at one point, I mean, of course, their police reports don't say this, but... From my perspective, it looked like she was handcuffed when they tased her the last time. Wow. Both hands were behind the back. And from, I mean, I had two officers standing in front of me. I'm six foot two, 280 pounds. So, you know, I had both of them, two officers making sure I didn't step in. And it looked like she was handcuffed when they tased her the last time. David, how did it go from wanting to pay the fine with $1 bills that had been written upon to the clerk there refusing to pay the fine to your sister being on the ground being tased and uh, and pepper sprayed. I mean, what what transpired between their refusal of the bills and her getting attacked? Well, at the point that they said, "Okay, we're not going to accept this money," they said, "It's time for you guys to leave." And then, you know, my sister was just trying to have a conversation, mm-hmm. peaceful the whole time, no vulgarities, no raising of the voice. They tried to escort us out, and we were walking slowly most of the time. She stopped a couple of times to try and engage them in peaceful conversation, and, you know, they threatened to arrest her for trespassing. We kept moving. We got to the lobby area, and that's when the one officer said, last chance, and it was probably within two seconds of him saying last chance that they all just jumped on her, basically. Wow. So you guys were actually in the process of leaving when they attacked you? Yes, we were vacating the building, and we were within two foot of being outside. When she was on the ground and what appeared to be handcuffed and then tased, her head was outside of the building. Do you know if this... uh, Now, I know that y'all had stopped the recording because of the intimidation by the police fairly early on in this. Is that right? Correct. So do you know if the the building, like, for instance, here in Keene, New Hampshire, they've got security cameras all over the place. Do you know if there is, uh, if there's like a, a governmental security camera record of this event? Yes, there is. And I believe the court-appointed lawyer that she has at this point is trying to get that. But whether that will disappear or ever surface, A lot of times it I mysteriously didn't, uh, yeah, yeah. didn't get recorded. Good luck with that. I was arrested down at the U.S.-Mexico border uh, last year, and uh, I got an attorney right away to sue the Department of Homeland Security, and they got in touch with him right away, and <laughs> they didn't have the video. They couldn't find it. But what do you know? You better yeah. believe it if they had evidence that would support uh, you know, prosecuting me or you uh, or your sister, that they'd find the video right away. A judge in Seattle ruled that that's, that's okay. 
Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's it's okay for the police to have evidence that exonerates you or uh, proves that they're guilty of something and not give it up. Right. Hey, what uh, kind David, of insane police state is that? It is this an one. insane uh, story. I hope that uh, you guys are all right. And, and at some point, you know, I think maybe that more people that are willing to take these sorts of actions and, and, and make these kinds of protests should get together and join up and uh, join the Free State Project, get together with other like-minded people all in the same place. I want to thank you for the call. Please keep us in the loop and let us know how the case uh, develops. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. By the way, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is imminent. It is uh, less than four weeks from now. It's coming up quickly. Uh, it's going to be here before you know it. And it's not too late to get registered at Porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. It'll be a great event for, uh, for David and Mary to, uh, to come out and meet some other like-minded activists. People yeah, head on getting together all in the same place to get active because it makes it easier to do these things when you can have people there to back you up when it's not just one family member or your you know your loved one or your spouse that's helping you when you've actually got a network of activists p-o-r-c-f-e-s-t.com go get registered for port fest there hour three is up next you can take control what if the key to achieving liberty in your lifetime was to move together with others who think like you Liberty activists are joining the Free State Project, which is over halfway to its goal of 20,000 participants. And they're already making the move to New Hampshire. The successes are piling up and are proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. From demonstrations and vigils to outreach and volunteering, there's a lot going on in Keene. Keene is also the undisputed Liberty Media capital of the world, with television, talk radio, and more, all originating here. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, free books, a forum, and activist tools you can download and use in your area at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free, 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. You can actually control the content. You find something online you think is interesting, submit it as show prep at freetalklive.com, and then other listeners can vote as to whether or not they like or dislike what it is you've suggested, the most liked, making it to the front page and the top of the site. So get over there and get interactive. It's all free over at freetalklive.com. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian here. And Bradley. And Mark. Uh, All right, so we'll take your calls about whatever you want. Also, we've been off and on discussing the state of uh, newsprint media, the daily publications out there that are having a a pretty tough time. Uh, There was another story about, I think it was uh, Warren Buffett who bought something like 63, 64 newspapers, paid $146 million for it, and uh, he's talking about how all these papers need to go ahead and start putting up paywalls so they can have an industry uh, presence that is all hidden behind a paywall in the hopes that they'll be able to convince their readers to become paying subscribers online, and I guess the hope that 
people will value their reporting higher than they value the free reporting that they'll be able to get from indie media publications uh, and other free blogs and and other internet-based sources of news and information. That's the plan, at least, and Buffett's not the only one with that plan. Uh, According to David Simon, this is uh, from Pointer.org, P-O-Y-N-T-E-R.org, uh, David Simon, whose HBO series Treem chronicles life in post-Katrina New Orleans, told uh, Pointer that the Times-Picayune's decision to cut publication to three days per week and cut their staff – this is the major uh, one of the major papers in New Orleans, the Times-Picayune – he says it's grievous news, as it would be for any American city. He praised the newspaper's strong civic work, particularly its investigations into police brutality and Louisiana's prison industry. He said that uh, Katrina seemed to give the paper a sense of itself for several years afterward. And uh, But he says New Orleans isn't immune, and no one is, and this slow suicide is... Uh, he says, will continue unabated until the industry swallows hard and takes its product, every last newspaper, behind a paywall. Yeah. If if your business plan relies on every newspaper going behind a paywall, every anything in your industry doing something, then you've got a failed business plan. Absolutely. Because your competition isn't going to get on board with you. If you have four gas stations sitting on four corners of a crossroad and you say, okay, guys, look, we're the only gas stations for 10 miles. We can charge 10 cents or 25 cents more per gallon than anybody else. If you'll just keep your gas the same price I keep my gas. It's called a cartel. We can cartelize and we can run this corner. (laughs) You know. It might work for a week. If you can get everybody to agree to it, which I think is unlikely. To talk about. What's that audio? I don't know. I think something happened there. All right. Um, then if you can get everybody to agree to it, then you know, which seems unlikely, then you know, at some point or another, some guy is going to say, you know, if I drop my price by one penny, these other guys, I'll have all their business. And yeah. somebody's got the good corner and somebody's got the bad corner. And the guy sitting on the bad corner is going to say, darn it, Jim made this deal and now he's got the good corner and I'm not getting any business. So I need to lower my prices so I can get some of the business. And then they'll come over and the, it, the cartel's busted. Sorry. Won't this just be like massive opportunity for people to compete? Like if, if Warren Buffett is successful in, in sort of locking down the news publications of America, uh, won't others pop up and want to compete with that, that business course. model? They're already there. I mean, as I mentioned before, what about uh, Hunt- Huffington Post? What about uh, Freekeen.com? Yeah. I mean, if you go to Google and you Google uh, for news, Freekeen.com, which is my blog site, Brad, you're one of the bloggers there, is one of the sources so if you look for uh, Joe, if you looked the other day for Joe Biden, Free Keen came up as as one of the results because mm-hmm. he was here in uh, in Keen and there's been some posts about him being here on Free Keen, so it came up as uh, as a news result, mm-hmm. and uh, and so the, yeah, of course people are going to they're going to want news. News is something that people value, but the question is, do they value the source, this old media source, greater than they value the new media sources? And that's a that's a big question mark right now. And people like uh, like Rupert Murdoch and people like Warren Buffett and this David Simon guy, they're banking on the idea that their old momentum, 
that they have, but that this old brand that they have is they somehow have more valuable. for this, though. I mean, all you have to do is look at the last 10 years, what's happened with news, and you can see that people are le- are leaving the uh, the newspaper fold. Yes, newspaper, subscriptions are down. News, newspaper has the best journalists out there. And, you know, television, old media has the journalists. There's no doubt. But what needs to happen? What's going to happen? What It's inevitable. What's going to happen is that new media is going to figure out some way to support these better journalists. Now, here's the remainder of this man's quote, this David uh, Simon, who's basically saying that the suicide of the industry will continue until every last newspaper goes behind a paywall, his vision of what the, the industry should be doing. He says, if not, then it's the day of the citizen journalist. He puts that in quotes. Which is to say, the day of the amateur. And American institutions, or for that matter, the world as a whole, will not be held accountable by individuals doing this as a hobby. Hmm? There's some problems with citizen journalism. I'm not going to... But are they really being held accountable today? I I was just going to say, did he just imply that the mainstream media is like the savior for holding the government accountable? That's exactly what he implied. And there are some really shining examples of it, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at the Pentagon Papers from back during the Vietnam War. I mean, so there are some times when when the old media journalists will target like a government agency and really go hard against them. But it's pretty rare that that happens. Most of them are... Are completely lockstep. You, I don't know if it was on the air or off the air. I think it was, might have been off the air. You were talking about the Union Leader. Uh, this is one of the New Hampshire papers. How they basically fillet the police department. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't use that particular word, but I would say that would be a, a decent adjective. I mean, if if you're That's a verb. if if you're excuse me a verb if you're if your livelihood relies on obtaining information from a government source and you say something bad about it, if that source dries up then you're, yeah, you get cut off you get cut off so you're incentivized not to report things that the government doesn't want you to report whereas freekeen.com you can write anything you want didn't i hear somewhere the union leader had like bought some kind of or like donated their an old building to some government i oh, forget geez. what that was there's like some building that they had that they they decided that instead of selling it they were just going to donate it to the government for some reason it was just a crazy example of just how tied in uh these old media people are with the state We'll just give you a building. Yep. 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. So the Times-Picayune is shutting down. They are cutting staff. It's 175 years old in New Orleans. It's their daily newspaper. They're going to be switching to publishing three days a week. This according to the Associated Press. The uh, 175-year-old paper announced on Thursday, that's today, the formation of a new company, the NOLA Media Group, which includes the Times-Picayune and NOLA.com, its website affiliate. The announcement said there will be unspecified staff reductions. Times-Picayune, you can you can better believe that uh, it's a pretty uh, heavy atmosphere at the Times-Picayune yeah. right now. Uh, they is waiting for that... Uh uh, Axe to, 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 to fall. Sure. Uh, the president of the new venture said the changes were necessitated by upheaval in the newspaper industry. He says the paper will be home delivered and sold in stores on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Second company, uh, Advanced Central Services, will print and deliver the newspaper. So I'm not sure if that means they're outsourcing that or if that means that they're spinning off a uh, like a different subsidiary. But either way, cutting back from seven days a week to three days per week. I think that this is what you're going to see things like this happen. And that's major market. That's New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. The prison capital of the world.
That is Louisiana, yep. the prison capital of the world. Yep. 855-450-FREE. So plenty of time for you and your thoughts here. Uh, Steve is on the line in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Steve. Hello, guys. I just wanted to uh, kind of basically agree with you all specifically about the newspapers uh, basically going out of business. I think the larger newspapers like the New York Times or the Washington Post, the Boston Globe, they do have the experts around the world on certain of the various issues. However, a lot of the journalists right now are really not doing their job. They're just repeating information. It's true. In fact, hold that thought, Steve. We can bring it back here in a moment. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line for your thoughts. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Toll free at 855-453. The SACL CAI toll free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features. Once again, freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female Listeners is one of our features. You can go and see the lady listeners, some of them, dozens of them, who listen to this radio program and prove that they listen by submitting a validated photo or video to the Shrine, which you can learn about more at shrine.freetalklive.com. Bitcoins, uh, they're the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. With Bitcoins, there are no contracts to sign or terms of service to abide by. Anyone can download the free Bitcoin software and be using them in just a few minutes. With Bitcoins, you can send and receive money anywhere in the world without needing permission from any bank or government. To learn more, just visit weusecoins.org. There's a video over there, and you can uh, see the uh, you know, what they're uh, you know, how to use the Bitcoins and those kind of things. In fact, I just uh, purchased with Bitcoins today. I bought uh, into uh, a stock offering, an IPO. Really? There's, yeah, one out there. <laughs> a friend of mine is uh, starting a company. It's called Feed Z Birds, and it's uh, an advertising uh, thing. And I decided, well, you know, I'd like to try try it out. Wasn't any kind of big commitment or anything like that. And, and they accepted Bitcoins. And but the, the, it's only on the Bitcoin marketplace. There's this uh, website called GLBSE where it's a uh, – I can't. I don't know what the initials are, but it's a stock exchange only for bitcoins. Huh. So everything's in bitcoins. Um, you know everything Neat. you can imagine. So it's very interesting. Uh, Bitinstant.com. You can uh, now, thanks to them, you can have your bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. I think there's seventy thousand worldwide locations. They're in countries all over the world. Um, here in the United States, you can uh, buy your bitcoins with cash by going to any ma- most major banks. It's Bitinstant.com to go find out how to do it. We are back with Steve listening in Massachusetts with the news uh, being that the Times-Picayune in New Orleans is not shutting down, but they're halfway there. (laughs) They're cutting, cutting from seven days a week to just three. Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday is when the paper will be publishing. Of course, uh, they're you know doing this to drive more, uh, I guess, business online, hopefully, or to just, I guess, to save their business, to keep it from, uh, from going under. And according to Pointer.org, this change is going to make New Orleans the largest U.S. city without 
a daily newspaper. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Let's go back to Steve listening in Massachusetts. You're back on Free Talk Live with Ian, Brad, and Mark. Yeah, as you were mentioning, uh, the financial structures of the news media outlets have to be changed. Isn't the union leader, isn't that a not-for-profit organization now? I think that was set up by trusts. Couldn't say. So they do have some trust by Loeb or whoever was the former owner, I believe. Hmm. So there has to be a structural change. But the newspapers, I think, will have to be, instead of just defining themselves as newspapers or radio stations or TV stations or the ABC network, NBC, etc., you have to have information providers, whatever right. that information providers are on the various channels, you know, on, on video, podcasts, cell phones. I think cell phones are going to be taking over uh, totally. Uh, that's why some of the Hewlett Packard, I think, is laying off, what, 8% of its people because uh, of the iPads and all right, because people aren't yeah. buying laptops anymore like they used to. Right. The tablets exactly. are much are becoming much more popular, and smartphones. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, certainly all the numbers show smartphones are penetrating the marketplace in a huge way. I mean, they've been just dramatically increasing uh, in in penetration into the market, and I think it's approximately fifty percent of all U.S. adults have a smartphone, or it was, yeah. no, excuse me, fifty percent of all phone uh, users, I believe, have a smartphone. Crazy. And then as the older people are dying off, right. you know, the young kids today, they are basically just using cell phones right now. And that's what's going to basically, uh, you know, take over. Right. I'd like but, to find I'd like to find out how many people under the age of 25 have picked up a newspaper in the last year. Probably none. Seriously. I would uh, it's not it none. Would There's a handful of them because guys in jail who are under the age of 25 oh, okay. are reading the newspaper. <laughs> They've got nothing better to do. Right. <laughs> but I think that all of this will change, and it depends on the you know the market that you're in. Here in Massachusetts, we have a, a local newspaper just uh, reduced its size, laid off a bunch of people, and also reduced the size of the newspaper itself. Yep. And it's the only newspaper in this uh, small community. And what are so they charging for it, by the way? Well, you know? it depends. I think it's like two hundred and thirty bucks a year. But like on a like if you go to the box on the street, do you know what the current rate is there? Oh, I think it's like seventy cents. Yep, it's about seventy five cents here in uh, in Keene, and they did the same thing over the last few years. They cut their size, uh, they cut the number of pages, and they also increased the price. And and here's something too: I have a you know online account, but if you do not have the regular hard copy printed, you're not allowed to gain access to the online internet version, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Thanks for sharing that tonight, Steve. Anything else on your okay. mind? No, that's it. Thanks, Appreciate the Thanks call, a lot. Sir. Good show. Yep, 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, I, I don't think television's taken quite as hard as newspaper is, but... I, you mean broadcast television? Broadcast television. I mean, they're down. There's no doubt. I mean, CNN's been, you know, saw some huge losses well, CNN in CNN is cable television, Indeed. not broadcast television. I, I agree. Understood. I'm just talking about, you know, these these old media outlets that are out there. What's oh, yeah. it going to be like? They're taking a pounding, for and, sure. And they're going to have to change. Now, they've got 
like I've said many, you know, several times here, they've got the momentum, so they're going. Some of them are going to be able to change and modify themselves in in order to work in this before new, it's too late. Yeah. This new marketplace, and I don't know how what it's going to look like. I've made my predictions. I think that daily newspapers need to go to the basically the free model and give their paper away that or some figure out some way to increase their subscriber base largely so that the advertisers are you know more incentivized to come in and advertise and maybe. Uh, the the Times Picayune's got the right idea here. I mean, we I'm poking fun at them for cutting back, but maybe this is the right uh, the right choice. I mean, what's the difference between one day and two days? I mean, in a, in a world in which you can have instant access to news and information on your smartphone or your laptop or your computer. What's the difference between 24 and 48 hours? I mean, news, the newspaper is yesterday's news, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. it's, it's old news by definition. The moment you pick it up, it's old, old news. So what's the big deal if it's 48 hours old? I mean, I think that might be the right choice if they can make a more robust paper every other day rather than a real crappy paper on a once-a-day basis. And if they were to take your suggestion, Mark, and go with a free every other day kind of uh, newspaper where they get a really decent paper that's got the coupons and it's got the things that people value about newspapers uh, and they're offered for free that seems like something that could work even if they had uh, they do like most like a lot of restaurants do with delivery if they charge for delivery mm-hmm. but give them away at these boxes for free or whatever right you know i don't i don't the know onion how- does it I mean, of course, they're just weeklies yep. of course as we were pointing out the weeklies, weeklies are doing well well the weeklies will send you their uh, I mean, a lot of weeklies will send the item to you. If you get, if you can get on their mailing list in some way, shape, or form, they'll send you their weekly for free. Bulk really? mail, yes, absolutely. That seems really wow. expensive. Well, they don't pay the rates that you do. They, the, the United States yeah. Postal Service they is an ad deal. venue uh, that you, that that is supported by people who send first class mail. So when you pay your bill with a forty something cent stamp, I have no idea what a stamp costs these days. Shows how I pay my bills. Actually, my wife does. But um, oh. when you pay, you're subsidizing these uh, these companies that send these things for you know, pennies. More coming up here on uh, the death of print. Also, your calls about whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. You take control. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Free number for you to bring up anything on Free Talk Live is 1 855 450 free 855 450 3733. Especially if you're someone under the age of 25 who actually reads the newspaper, let alone has a subscription to it. <laughs> are you under the age of 30 and have a subscription to the newspaper? There's not a lot of people. I'm 41, and there are not a lot of people in my demographic that read the newspaper. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's not that common. People are consuming more and more their news online. What about if you're under the age of 25 or under the age of 30, do you visit your local newspaper online? 
are you aware of its presence online? Is it something that you find yourself on here and there to get local news? Yes. I'm just curious about what people's habits are. Well, you're not under the age of 30. No. Are you? I wish. No, okay. I didn't think so. <laughs> Uh, 855-450-FREE. We're talking about uh, the death of uh, the newsprint, specifically daily newspapers. Uh, The weekly ones that are free are actually doing pretty well, from what I understand. But we can also take your calls about anything, as we will here with Jeremy listening in Philadelphia. You're on Free Talk Live. Jeremy, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, my my local paper uh, used to be 35 cents a day, then 50 cents, then 75 cents. And uh, and what time period have you seen those price uh, increases? I think he just went into a really bad cell. Tell you what, Jeremy, we're going to put you on hold unless you're back. back. You are back? No, you're not. You're gone. Uh, So maybe he'll call back. 855-450-FREE. So I I imagine a lot of people are seeing this because we just had a gentleman from uh, Massachusetts call in, say that his local paper has cut their size and increased their rate. And this is the cut-to-the-bone method of business that didn't work very well for radio. Uh, when radio in the 1990s, uh, yeah, in the 1990s had consolidation, there was some rule changes at the FCC that allowed for one company to own more than a certain number of stations within a certain radius or in a certain marketplace. Right, and so that resulted in a lot of uh, mom and pop stations being sold to big conglomerates or what became big conglomerates like Clear Channel and, uh, and Cumulus. Even Clear and Channel had to do some sell-offs in order to be profitable. Later, yeah, yeah. later on in the, uh, the the last decade, Clear Channel had to cut big time. They had to cut a lot of their stations out of their, their portfolio, uh, so to speak. But these stations, uh, you know, that during consolidation, the, I forget where I was going with, with talking about consolidation. <laughs> Well, you were saying that uh, they're cutting to the bone and cutting oh yeah, to the bone. yeah. So that was the mes- uh, that was kind of the method. This corporate methodology of running a business was all right. Well, we've got all these uh, these assets, these transmitters, you know, these really unique assets because of the FCC protecting the marketplace. We've got all these uh, transmitters here, and we're just going to go ahead and slice and dice, uh, cut our services back to as you know as much as we possibly can. Have as few staff members uh, doing uh, the jobs as possible, and homogenize the services, make them all sound the same. We're going to centrally program. Uh, we're going to have a, an oldies program director that's going to regionally program every oldies station. I mean, this is really what they, oh, they sure. decided to do. And the listeners figured it out. There, uh, there, they had voice tracking, which happened uh, in the late 1990s. And, and I know that when... You did it. I have done it, absolutely. And anybody that wanted to keep their job was going to do voice tracking. But when they did voice tracking, it killed uh, a lot of positions because what it allowed them to do – and I mean it's it's smart and everything, but people figured it out. So what happened was voice tracking allows you to record your shift basically. And you can record the shift remotely because it's just audio files. Even in the late 90s, sending those over the internet wasn't a big deal. So uh, so my my mentor in the business who finally has his own talk show now, Bob Garrett, Zito and Garrett down in uh, Fort Myers, uh, he was doing a shift from Sarasota, Florida, doing another shift in Cincinnati. And actually, excuse me, it was the reverse. He ended up moving to Cincinnati and was doing a shift on his old station in Sarasota, pretending essentially like he was still in Sarasota. Yeah. Uh, and they, they were bringing these jocks in from other marketplaces, music DJs, in from other markets uh, remotely. Well, how hard is it? Most of, mostly you say, oh, we're going to play Crazy Train one more time. <laughs> and then you push the button. Right. And, you know. No, it's not hard. It's not hard. But there are certain tells that reveal that it's that it's happening. So, for instance... If you voice tracked a shift, it's you know it's three in the afternoon. You're voice tracking a shift in Cincinnati for your station in Sarasota. They're going to play that back at seven at night. 
you don't know what the weather is. Sure. So, like, if you if you have well, like can- a weather report that you got at three in the afternoon that you're reading as though it's actually what's happening in Sarasota, you have no idea because you're not actually there live on a microphone. So, for all you know, there's some crazy storm that came in, and you're there saying clear sky. It looks like clear skies tonight here in uh, Sarasota. You do, did you have to do weather on your? I I never voice tracked for another station. I only okay. voice tracked for uh for for my. Because I would think that they would just pipe in somebody from the weather room and you know uh, Houston or something, and they, they just- do have. They do have outsourced weather. You're absolutely right about that. I'm just giving you one example of a tell that, you know, if if you're listening to a music radio station and the jock's talking about how it's supposed to be a clear night, but it's it's pouring rain outside, you figured out that you're not listening to someone who's live, right? People want to call in and they want to talk to somebody and it rings and rings. Uh, They want to request a song. But few people call the station. That's That's obviously another tell. But they talk. Right. They talk to their friends. Absolutely. Sure. That's another tell. I'm just kind of giving you examples of how listeners figured out eventually. And this is how people feel lied to. Yeah. I mean, they don't They don't just figure it out. They feel lied to. Oh, absolutely. And it's just the tip of the iceberg as far as lies that radio stations tell their listeners. Uh, and so people were pretty upset about that. I remember reading news a while back that uh, the Tampa cluster of Clear Channel stations – uh, 98 Rock, for instance, started putting disc jockeys back on live shifts on the weekends. Because they got enough complaints from listeners that had figured out, hey, you guys are voice tracked all weekend. <laughs> you know, the one live guy is the dude calling from the car show. And that's it. Yep. It's true. So they just pick all the music ahead of time and just. Brad's just now figuring this hey, out. Hey, I'm not a radio yes, Bradley, guy. I'm, with, absolutely- <laughs> I'm sitting here with two radio guys. You know, you got to help me out. Yes. Uh, well, that's <laughs> been going on for years. Music has been picked out ahead of time for well, a long time. Like but- Ian was playing some of it. Like he brought some tracks from home. He was on an o- a mid-overnight shift or something like that. you got to consider how late this is. Uh. So like 3 o'clock in the morning, he's like, you know, young guy with long hair and says, I'm going to play some of that Megadeth devil, devil music that I really like. <laughs> and so he p- pipes in some of that stuff <laughs> just for fun and gets caught rings. by the program director. I couldn't believe he called me on that one. (laughs) So Medlin calls in and busts him. And and this is what happens. You're not allowed to play what you want to play. Or what the listeners want either. You can't can't even (laughs) switch the songs around. I mean, they don't even want you to switch the songs around. But the point was uh, that I was making was about consolidation and how these big corporations decided, well, we're just going to cut to the bone. We're going to cut our costs back to the bone, and we're going to th- we're going to pretend like our listeners aren't going to be able to tell. And so they did all this at the same time that the internet was on the rise. So the internet wasn't the same as it is today. It wasn't nearly as popular as it is today or even within the last uh, five years. So we're talking about the turn of the century here as far as time frame sure. is concerned. Radio stations are cutting back costs so, you know, to the bare, bare minimum. At the same time, audio streaming is just taking off on, on the internet. So at the same time, you've got these, these people who don't have the same constrictions. They don't have the same mentality. They don't have this, uh, you know, the institutional mentality that a lot of these corporate radio owners do. They're out there creating unique content on the internet, and they're offering it for free, and they're competing. And then all of a sudden, you know, ten years goes by, you know, the blink of an eye uh, in internet time. There's a lot that happens. Ten years is a blink of an eye in our lifetimes, but uh, but you know, on the internet, that's like 
100, 200, 300 years of right. development. And now well, all of a sudden you've got these radio stations that are caught up against the wall with Pandora's uh, getting ready to eat them alive. Right. Right. Pandora actually is is making ratings now yep. in marketplaces as like the t- one of the top 3 radio stations in a marketplace. Just people the amount of people listening yep. to Pandora. And the is, predictions, it's not like the predictions weren't out there. I mean, you know, talk has been telling music all along, "Hey, it's coming." The internet's coming, and it's going right. to eat your lunch. So, so you're seeing the same thing happening in newspapers with the Times Picayune. You know, cutting back. We're going to cut back our staff. We're going to cut back. The our, internet's coming. Uh, so, you know, it's it's interesting watching all this uh, this go on because, like you say, the internet's coming. It's unstoppable. And the one reason that uh, talk is so valuable in radio is it can be local, it can be national, it is a unique content. There is, you know, in, in whatever radio station is airing Free Talk Live right now in that marketplace, this is unique content. You know, it, it, you, you're, they're not playing Crazy Train one more time. Yeah, and we are starting to see the uh, smart stations are flipping from music talk radio, which of course is a good opportunity for shows like Free Talk Live, relatively new in the talk radio world, uh, give us more opportunity to get on more stations. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control here. It's Free Talk Live. Bardo Fest is a camping gathering at Bardo Farm, an off-the-grid, eco-friendly farm in Croydon, New Hampshire. Attendees will enjoy live music performances, sustainability workshops, comedy, firearms education, terrific farm-raised food, vendors, and camping under the stars. Treat yourself and relax at Bardo Fest, May 25th through the 28th. A full festival pass, including camping, is just $50. Go to bardoproject.com. B-A-R-D-O project.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those over at freetalklive.com, and you can enjoy those features there. And if you want, you can help support the show by going to shop with us, shop.freetalklive.com. You can enter Amazon through the shopping links you'll find there. Uh, that's shop.freetalklive.com. I actually just ordered something through uh, shop.freetalklive.com today uh, over at Amazon. There's uh, You can get these batteries for camcorders there that are not the name brand uh, batteries. You can get the name brand ones too because Amazon's got almost everything. But you get the ones that aren't the name brand, you pay for like a fraction of the price of the name brand batteries and get the same performance basically. So I got like two really high capacity batteries for my video camera for less than half the cost that one uh, brand name battery would cost wow. through shop.freetalklive.com. And when you go to that link and shop through those uh, those links, the affiliate links there, whether it's UK Amazon, Canada Amazon, or US Amazon, Free Talk Live will get a portion of your purchase price. So go to shop.freetalklive.com, get your shopping done. Jason Osborne of Cycle CAI wants to remind you to uh, share an episode of Free Talk Live every week on your Facebook page or you know Twitter it out to your tweeting pals or whatever it is you do. Uh, it's uh, and Cycle CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's top one on the right-hand side of the page. Jason and uh, Cycle have been big sponsors of Free Talk Live for a very long time. And we continue here. We're going to give Jeremy another shot. He uh, unfortunately was disconnected, unexpectedly bad cell phone, I think it was. Jeremy, what were you trying to tell us before? Hey, uh, I just uh, wanted to start with a brief comment that my newspaper was five days a week for, for the long since I've, since I've lived in my hometown 
And last year, they switched to weekends only, free. They just drive around and dump a whole bunch of copies in the boxes, and you could walk right up and get it free, and it's just once a week circulation. Interesting. Now, where is this? Where is this happening? A really, really small town, like uh, 25 miles outside of Philly. Got it. But, um, yeah, I had a a brief brief personal story and then a police observation. Um, All right. There's, uh, like... There's like a religious uh, teaching or certainly like a societal uh, value that, it, you know, if you can't be trusted with a little, you can't be trusted with a lot. I don't, it's said uh, different types of ways, but my mom was with a friend when she was 18 and they were at the mall. Her friend stole something. The police detained them both, brought them both to the station, had them both sign guilty plea tickets. They both were uh, they both pled guilty to the ticket. Now, my mom was 18, and this, this was in the 70s. So you, your and, mom uh, didn't steal anything. It was her friend that did. Yeah, but the police just detained them both and brought them both to the station and had them both, I guess, they felt intimidated and both right. signed wow. tickets to plead guilty. So her, so my, so her parents, uh, she, she got picked up at the police station by her parents, and I kid you not, Last year, she 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 applied for a job at a nursing home, and it came back in the background check, retail theft, 1970-something, and she didn't get the job. Mm, wow. Incredible. You know, and this and is the... It just goes... This goes, you know, being a convicted felon, uh, this this kind of thing happens. I mean, when you're looking at two, you're looking at two particular employees, and essentially they look the same, and you've got to decide, you know, who am I going to hire? Potential employees, I should say. Who am I going to hire? Well, you know, if you've got some kind of little theft, even if that's thirty years ago, you know, well, yeah, well, let's go with the other person, whatever. I mean, they're just they're just shooting in the dark. They don't know. But uh, there seems to be this belief that, well, if you can't be trusted with a little, we can't trust you. Like, well, you had a you had a retail theft, so we can't send you in this nurse. We can't have you work in this nursing home because you might steal well, from. Right, because but, you're uh, clearly the same exact person that you were 30 years ago. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've changed a lot in the last decade, uh, let alone five years, 30 years. I mean, come on. Mark, you're nowhere near the same person you were uh, when you were put in prison back in the uh, late 80s. No, I mean, I can't imagine anybody who's the same person as they were when they were 18. Yeah, you continue to have your constitutional rights illegally uh, denied just because of what happened so long ago. Indeed. Jeremy, what else did you want to share tonight? But uh, another point was that um, if we could just hold the same type of standard to the police, because I watched a police officer... Uh, and this happens all the time. I'm sure. I'm sure you've guys seen it. I'm sure cops everywhere kind of do it because they can get away with it. They'll they'll come up to a red light, turn their lights on, drive through the light, and then turn their lights off, and then continue to cruise. Oh yeah, common. They, they, yeah, and. I love You've probably done that before, haven't you, Brad? Yes. <laughs> now, I, I, you know, usually what the cops will say is, is that, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on the way to a call. It's not so important that I need to turn my lights on and disrupt traffic, but you know, I need to get through the stoplight and can't be waiting. Yeah, around. right. Then you see him turn into the Dunkin' Donuts. Brad, what do you, what do you have to say but, to that? Uh, well, well, uh, there are many situations where the police are like. Uh, are responding to something but don't turn their lights and siren on uh, it, although it does increase danger there is tactical reasons for it like if you're going to a domestic disturbance you don't want to run your siren to let everybody know you're coming sure um but uh, yeah i mean i've done that before yeah i'm sure i had a good reason though yeah and right, it, it, that's the thing is, is it, 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 the cop justifies it's in their own mind too sure it doesn't look good though jeremy no, it looks bad uh, yeah but well i guess 
I, I guess I was thinking that it, that uh, there was never a good time to do it. But if you're saying I, I could I could understand that there's a tactical reason, but say there's police that do that just for personal convenience because they can. Oh, like, I will say that. If, okay. Like if they can't be trusted to be responsible in that little way, you know, and it just it it, it just made me think of them trying to say that they believe they have privacy and they don't like to be videotaped because uh, they don't like to be videotaped because they like to write on their incident reports and they like to write on their reports their version of reality and then go to the judge mm-hmm. and then that's the official truth and and. Uh, Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, and power corrupts people who aren't corrupted already, but it also attracts those who are corrupted and those who are attracted to power. And uh, and I think just the example of the cop blowing, blowing through an intersection with his lights on and then flipping them off afterwards, uh, flipping them on and then flipping them off after the intersection is a perfect example, just a little uh, indicator of how power can corrupt people. Jeremy, thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate hearing from you. 855 855- Four fifty free. You know, and I think that uh, police officers can absolutely generally tell whether or not it's safe to go through an intersection or not. Um, you know, the little red or green light isn't the best indicator necessarily of whether or not it's safe to go. But then again, I think anybody can tell whether or not it's safe to go through an intersection largely. Let's go to Joshua listening in West Virginia, Charleston's WVTS. Hey, Joshua. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's on your mind tonight? I uh, was wanting to talk to you. Um, I called you guys about, uh, I don't know, three or four, uh, well, that was more than that, several months ago, anyways, uh, about uh, running for house down in Boone County. All right. And, uh, I, and I did file to run. I am running. Um, and uh, But I wanted to talk to you about a mandate that was pushed down from uh, Governor Tomlin. Uh, I'm a coal miner, and uh, they um, are now forcing our private companies to drug test uh, coal miners. Oh. And uh, li- listen, I'm, I'm not against I'm not against the coal companies requiring uh, – their operators to be drug tested simply because we got a big, I guess, prescription drug abuse uh, problem in this area while people are at work, and it's really dangerous underground. That you can run somebody over with a piece of equipment. I bet it is. Is this but, uh, is this coming from the MSHA or is this coming from the uh, from? No, the... this is coming from the state. Yeah, it was uh, the go- governor Tomlin uh, pushed it, which uh, you know I'm not against that, but when it's mandated. If the company wants to drug test their employees, I'm all for that. Right. Uh, but it's mandated down. And what what makes me uh, irritable, I guess, is that we we have uh, you know st- teachers in our area cooking methamphetamine in the schools. Uh, and <laughs> you know, if I was if Jesus. I was the governor, if I was the governor, um, you know, myself, uh, which that may come later on down the road, uh, <laughs> we win this race. Um, we uh, you know, I would push. You know, if we're going to do that, I'd at least push for public employees. I haven't started with myself. It'll so, never happen. Uh, never happen. It'll never, never, never happen. happen. Those, gov- those government unions, they will never allow that. There have been examples of this around the country where some people have pushed to have co- uh, government employees tested. Don't I you, don't think it's ever happened. Don't you care about privacy, Ian? What about the rights? What about the rights of the people involved? <laughs> right about the rights of the taxpayers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the people, absolutely, the taxpayers absolutely. that have to get, that are mandated to get tested in yep. their private industry. Uh, the employees that work for them, for the state, don't have to get tested because they've got rights. Besides, drug testing the teachers exactly. isn't going to catch the ones that are catching or that are uh, cooking the meth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if if you're going to drug test my brothers, are you know working on the ground digging the coldest power in America. Uh, drug test yourself. And, By the and, way, the big problem that I have with the – and I, I see where you're coming from in that if a private company wants to do it, 
that that you know it should be their prerogative to do it. I would yeah. still oppose yeah, it simply because that I know that these drug tests, like for instance marijuana, if you test positive for marijuana, it doesn't mean you're high on the job. It means that you've smoked yeah. marijuana within the last few weeks. So yeah, that yeah. I, I would be upset about it because it would catch a bunch of who are otherwise very hardworking, productive uh, men and oh, women. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree, hundred ten percent. I guess I differ a little bit because it is the company and they own it. And it's, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not imputing their ability yeah. to make the they, choice. They can do yeah. it. I just don't yeah. agree with the choice because they're going to sure, end up yeah, firing definitely. some good employees. And I thank you, Joshua, oh, yeah. for the call tonight. I've, I've Keep us Absolutely, in the loop on yeah, how your campaign you. goes. Appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE, uh, the SACL CAI toll free line. That is if you do anything interesting, uh, which if you don't, then don't really care. <laughs> See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another editioning of the Edgington Post show. And uh, today I have with me Doris Hohenzee. Doris, are you there? I'm there. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Now, you're from the New Hampshire Families for Education? Yes, I am. Great. Now, um, there have been two bills that I would have liked to have followed more closely, but I really haven't followed them very closely. Um, they're, they have to do with homeschooling. Homeschooling is a big topic here on uh, Free Talk Live. And I wanted to find out, because a lot of people, you know, they're concerned about moving to New Hampshire because this reason or that reason. And one of them has to be the uh, the homeschooling rules. Uh, it, it, some of them some of them have been kind of arduous. And can you tell us about these bills and what's well, changed? Well, we have have currently one of the worst homeschooling laws in the country. Okay. And that's about to change. We, All right. If, if this, these two bills go forward, which we supposedly have the votes to override a veto if necessary, so they should, um, things will change. They won't be perfect, but they will change radically. Has a veto what? been threatened? No, not yet. Okay, <laughs> We're not close enough. The House has to concur either on the 30th or on the 7th, um, and then it'll go before the governor. And okay. He's got a lot of bills, so I think he's distracted. All right. So, can you describe these bills and what they change from what to what? Uh, let's. Uh, there's. Uh, should I well, have the have first the one? House Bill five forty five. Five forty five. The conglomeration of three bills. It has a long and ugly story. Okay. It doesn't do much. It it changes it from an annual notification to a one time notification unless you move. So then you notify your new district or your new participating agency. Okay. Um. It also strips the vote for. The HEAC members, the Home Education Advisory Council, which I think is a bad council to begin with, but the only elected members of that council, the reps and the senators that are on there, they don't get voting privilege, which is completely upside down because the rest are non-elected and they have caused problems. They have obstructed positive change for 22 years. Okay. So this also gives them the right to review and comment on rules as if the statute change and rules are, are made, um, they can review them and comment, as opposed to approve them like the House wanted to do. So the Senate actually fixed up and improved this bill. Okay. This bill Good. doesn't do very much, but there were three bills last year that we tried to get through. One would have you know, made everything very livable and free, and we were derailed by unregistered lobbyists that really? came in and put in a bill in, and asked to criminalize homeschoolers. It was quite dramatic. Wow. And uh, there was a big fight, and uh, they, they put the whole thing into interim study, and this is what came out of it. So, 
you know, a one-time notification after that big, long squabble was really not much. But fortunately... Now, uh, before you go on, I want to talk about this notification. So if somebody wants to homeschool, they have to notify the some some government agency that, they're, that that's what they choose to do, right? The district or their private school, which they call a participating agency. Okay. I've never complied, by the way. I've okay. been homeschooling for over 20 years, and I opposed the law in 1990, and I've openly refused to comply with it because it's inequitable. I mean... So the second bill, Representative Howell put in, and this one actually does push things back a little. We have to get evaluated every year, supposedly, under the law. Once you notify, then you're accepting the state's authority over your program, and part of the requirements is to keep a portfolio of evidence to be used against you in a court of law and to submit an annual evaluation, which has some standards that are higher than most public school students have to adhere to. And if you don't pass muster, you can put on probation or terminate it. Mm. We're one of 10 states that terminate. So we got rid of all that. Good. We have evaluations. We still have to do evaluations under the law, but we keep them in our house. They're now private because if we give them to the state, I mean, there's data mining and all kinds of stuff that they do at the federal level. So now... In an effort of privacy, we're keeping them within the home. And then in an effort of inequity, like we don't, shouldn't have to prove our innocence of educational neglect on an annual basis. So they're assuming that we're innocent until proven guilty. Novel concept. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't believe you, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so we have it. If somebody says, okay, you're not homeschooling, you have the evidence to say, hey, I've got all this evidence. I'm doing just fine. Those evaluations cannot be used as a basis for termination. So even if you have to maintain this, which is really, we'll get, I don't know if you can go into that later, but it can't be used as a basis for terminating the home education program like it used to be. So It provides a constructive basis for a relationship between your participating agency, district, and the child in case you have a problem. You can't say, I've got to hide this, this deficiency and then not work with these professionals who supposedly could help you. This way, we can build constructive relationships. So the requirement is is that you fill out a an annual sort of evaluation on your fill out an I, I don't know. No, if no, no, no. no. Okay. You you fill out a form to say that you're going to homeschool and you ask for permission. That's what notify is, and then you get an acknowledgement back, which is an approval. It's okay. sort of okay. newspeak. But then you have to keep this portfolio and either go with, with standardized testing and hit the 40th percentile or better. Okay. Now, that's not a 40 percentile of mastery. That's beating 40 percent of the children who take it at that time. And that's against other homeschoolers or? Well, against anybody who's taking the test. Probably public schoolers. Probably not a problem. But those kids that probably need homeschooling the most, the ones that aren't doing so well, Mm. why do they have to beat 40 percent of the students in order to be given home instruction? It just sort of defies. But anyway, so it's improved. So we don't have all those hurdles. And they increased the liability um, protection for the district. They included those that are providing home education not in accordance with the law, people like me. So they can't be sued by my children to say, hey, you didn't guarantee them and provide this education. And it's great to be recognized that because half the homeschoolers in New Hampshire are currently underground. I I don't know if this law will change that to a big extent. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're, under, if you're underground, why would you be driven, you know, what, what would possess you to go and ask the schools for permission at this point? Well, yeah. I mean, if you thought it was free enough to raise your head, 
you might do that. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know if people will or not. It's, it's, you know, you're still, you have to have this evidence, which can't be used to terminate you. And um, I don't know. It just, and it's based, they're still in the law that, you know, which types of evidence you have to have, who has to do them, certified teachers, things like that. I mean, it's, it's not... It's not a noose that you necessarily want to put your head in. Now, um, so at this point, you're you know the, the, you have to keep these evaluations, but they can't be used against you for termination purposes. They're just Correct. used intent, intent, supposedly used to uh, you know help you in, in being a better homeschool parent. It, it, they should use it to work with you because what happens when a kid's in public school and he doesn't do well? They work with you. They develop a plan to help you, regardless of your need. So this way, I mean, it puts us on a better footing. So that if we have a deficiency in a subject, we can't, we don't have to hide. And you know, I had two children that didn't learn to read till they were nine. Mm-hmm. And I I've... mean, that's standard. But I mean, to me, them, they would have, they would have taken those two children and said, "I'm, I'm just neglecting them." But. You know, I'd say we've talked about unschooling a great deal here on Free Talk Live, and mm-hmm. you know, I guess the reality is is that just some kids learn at different speeds than others. I mean, I went to a private yeah. school. I don't think that I learned to read any. You know, I think I was just kind of in the middle of the pack, and it didn't. You know, so it wasn't a big deal to me one way or the other. But to assume in a world full of bell curves that all kids are going to do the same thing is really kind of silly. It's depends on their, their maturation of the brain. I mean, some mature faster, some are driven to it. Yeah. And some, you know, they might see an older sibling reading a book and think this is an overwhelming task and be frightened. So rather than push them when they're not ready in order to satisfy the state, I said, okay, we'll just keep reading, and when you're ready, you're ready. And uh, sure. they usually amaze you in the end if you don't, you know, push too hard. Indeed. So we, we unschooled pretty much all, Did- all six. But really, I you know so uh, how, <laughs> so it draws up in questions in my mind, and I think probably the first one is uh, what's what's college like for unschoolers? I mean, are they able to get in? Yeah, um, that's another game. My first one, he surprised us, and he got perfect SAT scores, and um, we had put him in. We tried high school. He loved the labs, but they threw him in the library because. He hadn't taken their training. He had looked at their 10 rules and memorized them and taken a quiz and been safe in the lab. And they couldn't tell him to sit on the side and just watch while they were doing their chemical experiments. So they threw him in the lab. He didn't like high school. (laughs) He says, I now understand teenage suicide. He went to a community college, and he liked the night courses. He went to some day courses and took a year of chemistry, a year of this, a year of that. And he enjoyed working with especially the older people who came back to school, mm-hmm. because they were there because they wanted to learn, not because, he says, the, the younger ones, because some of them, they, they look bored like it's public school, like oh, they're sure. forced to be here. It's just so, 13th yeah, grade for them. A, there's a transition. You have to get used to You have to get used to playing the school game, but you have to get used to understanding why everybody's not highly motivated when they're there, because they've been beaten down and forced to do something that, but my kids get there, they're like, well, I'm coming here because I want this, not because I'm on a track and I've been pushed all these years and this is where I am and i got to get to the end and I'm tired and I'm bored. Yeah, so. and the idea that you're going to be able to get somebody to learn something that they don't want to learn seems really kind of silly. And many kids, they have, you know, they haven't 
they haven't gotten to that point where they want to learn something in particular. When they do find something they want to learn, say it, say it has to do with pop music or comic books or whatever it is um, that they're interested in, automobile engines, they're going to learn that and they're going to eat it up and they're going to be really great at it. Yeah. But those things but that they're told that they've got to got to learn, you know, okay, I'll sit here and to college is difficult because when I took my first son who had all A's and did, oh, he had about 30-something credits from community colleges. They weren't supposed to be the best schools. They were the local schools, and we tried to get into schools. He was rejected by his three top schools and got into the fourth school, which he applied because the coach wanted him, and that's where he went. And I could never figure out what it was, and all I can suspect is, as a parent, I wrote up the secondary school report. They didn't believe a word I said. He went around the house and he tipped over every book that he had read and wrote a list. He mm. tried to explain what he had done. He was our best student. He was rejected. So we changed the game plan for the others, and they did a little bit better. I see. <laughs> but uh, if you're a former professor, like the Colfax homeschoolers were at Harvard, you can write a secondary report with you know a little bit more credence than a parent who they just disbelieve anything that we say. So we, we went a different route. Some of them went in for a year, got a high school diploma, and had, you know, reports from the school. And it worked better. We never had a problem since. But So I don't, you know, I didn't want to use my kids as guinea pigs, sure. you know, to get over that hurdle. So we played different, you know, a different ball game. Right. Now, um, about these uh, the, these laws that hopefully will get passed, it looks really promising for them. Um, mm-hmm. But this, this moves New Hampshire from sort of in the low area in the United States as far as homeschool freedom and uh, up into, what, sort of the mid-range to better? Far, far better. Far, far better. We still need to go back and get rid of that Home Education Advisory Council. Okay, the HEAC. The unelected board of overseers that have pretty much stymied any change for 20 years. Mm-hmm. When Ovid LaMontagne, who's now running for governor, went to one of the HEAC meetings in 1995 with me, he wanted to ask them if they would like his help to get rid of some of these intrusive regulations. That was a long time ago. Right. And, and the HEAC, the homeschoolers on the HEAC said no, emphatically no. Yes, well, can we remove this? Can we remove that? Reporting, the, the testing, the probation, the termination, all the... No. So these are homeschoolers so, on the... the... Homeschool. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? They're special. They're appointed by the Department of Education, and it's they they stay in office for three years at a time. But most of them have been there for a decade or more, mm-hmm. and they are like lobbyists because whenever they go to a public hearing at the legislature, they get deferential treatment. They'll say, "I'm just here testifying on my own behalf," but then when the reps go on the floor, they'll say, "The HEAC wants," and quote those members. Mm-hmm. They have influence. I see. And they, they shouldn't. So we need to get rid of that because if all that we're going to do is um, notify once and then be done with it, there's not a lot of rules left. We don't really need the wasted money of tabulating all the committee meetings and minutes and stuff of these. Makes sense. We need to get rid of that. What, uh, what's it going to take to get rid of the HEAC? I don't know. It took Do 22 p- years to make traction on this. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I assume that uh, there's, you know, there's going to be organizations like yours that are going to be working to get get rid of it. Um, what are you, you know, hoping that some politician or another is going to be better? No, we're not, not hoping any politician is going to help us. This is something we're going to do on our own. We've um, had the attorney general investigate this homeschool legal defense association in Virginia that 
came in in 1990 and wrote the law. I sat in Reps Hall for an hour and a half where they put in the last-minute changes to the law behind closed doors with my reps. Hmm. And they never registered for 20 years, and they've been writing our laws, and they were the ones that wanted to criminalize us last year. So, And what's that organization called? Homeschool Legal Defense Association, HSLDA. They offer, and they write laws in 50 states. They don't register as lobbyists. And then they come back and offer homeschooler protection from those bad laws. That's they say they're crazy. a protection racket, but they're lawyers, so they know how to skirt everything. The Attorney General found them out of compliance with RSA 15, which is a felony because they're an organization, not individuals. But then he overlooked it because they went to a, a local attorney and they sort of whitewashed the whole thing. And they were testifying this year on House Bill 1571 after they registered, still didn't wear an orange badge. So that's our biggest opposition. And our secondary opposition... Well, before you go on, uh, I've got to let people know that orange in New Hampshire, um, you know, the lobbyists have to wear a, a right. little orange badge in order to indicate that they are uh, you know, working for the devil. Well, they have to identify themselves as lobbyists. Yeah. In other words, they're paid here to represent their constituents. They're not just representing, you know, any. they're outside the state, and they're representing whoever is paying them. They have a paid interest, paid gotcha. financial interest. And what's the second thing? The second thing is we have in-state lobbyists. Did you know, like, Nashua pays over $100,000 for education membership dues, which they use those dues to hire lobbyists to get paid six figures that goes up there. There's two or three lobbyists with orange badges, which is very nice, but they oppose most of the legislation, and we fund them. I fund them with my tax dollars. Hmm. It's against the state law to use state money to fund a lobbyist. But at the town level, we couldn't get that bill passed to block or prohibit our tax money from going to associations that hire lobbyists that work against the people. So we have to, you know, run around all of those. This year we're lucky. We'll see how we do next year. Well, uh, Doris, I want to thank you for the interview, and I want to thank you very hard, uh, very, uh, very much for working hard for homeschoolers' rights here in, in New Hampshire. Um, you know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of people out there that are just kind of coasting through, uh, like I am, just hoping thing. My my son hasn't quite reached the the schooling age where they'll be worried about him. He probably can read better than their kids anyway, but. Um, you know, I'm at, at this point, I don't know that much and I haven't worked that hard. I'm just worried about it, concerned with the homeschooler stuff. So uh, if if you need any help, let get a hold of me. Let me know. Okay, uh, this is an important I will. issue. I will. And, and a lot of homeschoolers don't realize that we can make a change because we had like two decades where they, they'd come up and they'd fight for a bill only to get shot down. So we have to get this role going that we can push back in and make them believe that they can go up and make a difference. There was a few years ago when uh, I can't remember what the Democrat uh, politician's name was that was putting in some new homeschooling rule. Yeah, that was Chairman Rouse, Representative Rouse Rouse from the Home Home House Education Committee, yeah. And I went up there for that bill, and it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Uh, New Mm -hmm. Hampshire's little state house was full just chucked full of families, uh, you know, big families and walking in descending order of uh, the children in height. And uh, the, the children are all dressed nice and their hairs, hair were cut. And I mean, they were there and there, I mean, there were so many people. They were they wrapped around. They ar- it all, so they all turned out. Yeah. They wrapped around the stairs. They were filling the lobby. I right. mean, the building was full to overflowing. Right. And those politicians backed down like you wouldn't believe. I've never next- seen. The, the next big problem that homeschoolers have to face won't be the home education law. 
would be that constitutional amendment, CACR 12. If we give local governance to the state so the state can define and fund education, we will not gain any liberty. We will lose it. This is an interesting, uh, you know, I've, I've watched the, the, there's a Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire uh, list on which you and I are both uh, both populate. And it's interesting, the Republicans seem to differ on this particular, um, the, the RLCers seem to differ on this particular issue. And I don't, claim, I will not claim to know one way or the other uh, what, what the advantages, relative advantages and disadvantages on either side are. But it seems like... Saber rattle on the money issue and... Either they ignore or don't take an interest in the governance issue, but you can't have a free society unless you have independent, decentralized schools. I and like think, independent and decentralized, I can tell you that. I and mean, this is the opposite. This will centralize it. The state does not have any control over education explicitly in the Constitution, and that's what they're trying to do. Our sucker punch number one was in 68 when they took our exclusive right over public instruction out of Article 6, Part 1 under the guise of getting rid of sectarian references, which were three words. And they never talked about losing our exclusive right. Why would we have an exclusive right if it was so unimportant? Mm -hmm. And this is sucker punch number two. Because of the money, we're going to restore local control by giving it to the state. That defies all logic. So it's a a one-two punch. New Hampshire is one of the last states to give control to the state over our education. So I think there's only two or three left. So it's a huge impetus to, to get this through. There's a lot of money that's supposedly behind funding it. If it gets on the ballot, we're going to have a huge problem if it gets out of the legislature. Do you, what, do you think that's, what do you think is going to happen with it? I'm working and hoping it dies. And that's but H- it's not dead till it's dead. Is <laughs> so. that HCR? Um, out- the ACR 12. Oh, say concurrent. Uh, uh, CHCR? House no, concurrent. no H's. That's all in my, my last name. Okay. <laughs> Constitutional Amendment and Concurrent Resolution. Got it. CACR for short. 12. CACR 12, yes. Excellent. There's another one out there that's on the table in the House that would restore the exclusive right in Article 6. Hmm. Nobody's talking about that. I see. Well, Doris, I, I do appreciate your time here. I'm going to have to let you go. But uh, if people want to get involved with uh, New Hampshire Families for Education, how do they get a hold of you? It's on the web. It's on Facebook. It's And we have a website. Just Google it. It'll pop up. Excellent. New Hampshire's Family for Education. It's uh, Doris Hohensee. Thanks, Doris. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, this is Mandrake. And this is Jay. And we're getting ready for Porkfest 2012. Porkfest is the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. And this year's Porkfest will be the best yet. Why is that, Mandrake? Because of all the great speakers that'll be there? Or maybe the family fun events? Perhaps you're excited about Flaming Freedom's Big Gay Dance Party? Actually, I had no idea any of that goes on. You had no idea because you and I spend all our time running the Georgia's famous baklava food stand. And that's why I'm so excited. Every year we get to meet so many great people who stop by for food and jokes, some of which are a little dirty. Yeah, about the dirty jokes, we should try Try not to offend so many people this year. It was one person, and I thought her wooden leg was for the pirate party. Oh, and don't forget all those times you walked away for five minutes only to return two hours later. I kept getting mauled by all my fans. You fell asleep on a picnic table. Oh, right. Hey, you want to wrap this up? Go to porkfest.com and register today. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com.